Living in the Truth. My name is Travis Velosh, and thanks for joining us. This is a journey into and a look at the texts of my youth and a reevaluation of their merit, as well as, you know, other things and, you know, uh, just a, a fun conversation with, with old friends. As I always say, old friends. Uh, how's everybody doing? I hope they are staying safe and, uh, you know, uh, wild times these days. Um, thinking about my, you know, friends in south of the border. I hope you are staying safe. Uh, and I hope um, all over the world we are at least doing a little bit of introspection about what we can do differently moving forward. I hope that is the biggest silver lining out of all of this. And I know it's ugly. I know it's going to get messy. But uh, I have been encouraged by the level of just general that that kind of thing i was just saying introspection people realizing okay what what do i i realize that this is kind of an us problem now uh i i think that's encouraging i hope i, I mean i hope it gets better before it gets worse uh i gotta try to stay positive and i don't want to speak too much about it because uh these are not my experiences uh, but i know that black lives matter and that we should continue to recognize that and not fight against uh things like this that might upset you or like phrases that shock you or whatever, you know, I don't want to get too much into that. But anyways, uh, we are here to, to again, turn a corner and look at a different type of medium. Today, we are going to look at the medium of comic books. I discovered comic books at, gosh, I have no idea what age, I guess as soon as I was able to read, as soon as I was able to, to see, basically. Um, I can remember comic books being around. Uh, my mom always told me that I would have to go to bed. I'd always have to be in bed by nine. It's a weird thing that that's, I think it's kind of affected me to this day that I'm all, when it's after nine o'clock, I still feel like it's up, I'm up late. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I've always kind of been a night owl. I wonder if it's related to that. Or, you know, I just, I'm just not a guy who ever went to bed because when my mom would, she would say, okay, you know, I wouldn't be falling asleep at nine o'clock, but she'd. You just have to stay in your room and you can read and whatever. So all I would, I would read comic books all night long. And, and what would I have? I'd have lots. I remember I had a lot of sad sack, oddly enough, uh, which is cool. But I don't know if anybody remembers those old comic books of uh, working on the army or something. Uh, I remember I'd have like Richie Rich, and, you know, some of those like uh, hot stuff, the those old Harvey comics. And also, you know, some DC comics with Superman but uh, a lot of Marvel comics with a little bit of everybody, but primarily I had a lot of, I grew up with a lot of Spider-Man comics. I remember picking up a good haul from a couple different garage sales and uh, we would either get a ton of uh, Archies and they're like, you know, pals and gals or double digest, or, you know, Jughead with Archie or just any of those. But I would always, I, I seem like I'd, I'd always score a lot of, um, Spideys and that was, that was great. I loved uh, a lot of old like Marvel tales that, even the ones that weren't coming out at, at the time of when I was reading, I was getting to read some of those older uh, issues as well and learn a bit more about the history of Spider-Man. So he was always my favorite character. Uh, I, you know, it, it, as, as a kid, as a very young boy, and uh, I, I grew up watching the cartoon and that was like a big part of it as well. Um, 
but it, I, I didn't really, you know, it, you know, it kind of went away when I got into, you know, I, I guess like even by like grade, you know, five or six, I was probably too old for comic books at that time. And I'd kind of stopped reading them or I was like starting to understand that they were meant to be for younger kids. But then I, I went and uh, moved on to junior high, as we will mention here. That's what we have in, in Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, or at least we did when I was a kid. And it, uh, it was a, a, a transformative experience in how I viewed the medium of comics. And we'll get into that and why that was. But it was primarily because it was an era when uh, comic books were selling uh, a lot. Uh, and I was a teenager when comic books were selling maybe the most. Uh, and I mean, I don't know the whole history. We do hear a bit about uh, the history from our guest here today who knows a lot about comic books history. And that's uh, my old friend, Kelly Nelson, uh, also a, a professional wrestling historian. But uh, you'll see this guy knows his comics as well. And we are going to talk about that era, which is the early 90s. And when the, the biggest star in uh, all of comic books was a, a guy named Todd McFarlane. And I've mentioned in the previous uh, episodes about how I had a, a wall uh, in my room dedicated to the band extreme. It was cut up of, uh, you know, reviews and pictures of the band and all those kinds of things. And, but I also had a wall dedicated to Spider-Man and on that wall was, it was, it was all Todd McFarlane art. Uh, we'll get into a bit of what I cut up, <laughs> uh, later and and what that meant but yeah i had three walls uh maybe i'll tell you what uh yeah, those are my first two walls i'll let you guys think about what the third wall might be and and how old i was and um <laughs> teenage years i got a rock band i got a comic wall and then i got a wall that's you know a little closer to the bed um i don't know uh, if you figure it out, you figure it out. If not, I'll, uh, you know, that'll be a fun thing to stick around and wait for at the, at the end here. Anyways, this is uh, Yours, Mine, and the Truth, Episode 7, where I talk about Todd McFarlane and his Spider-Man series uh, that debuted uh, at this time in 1990 with Kelly Nelson. Enjoy. <laughs> Spider-Man! everybody welcome back to yours mine and the truth i am excited to be shifting gears here to uh to a fun time in my life and to a medium that i've always had a really real really real deep and profound um affection for and that is comic books 
and I'm here uh, to talk about somebody who, you know, wasn't the uh, wasn't there with me when I first discovered comic books. Because of course, that was when I was very young. But when I first discovered a like a a more uh, you know mature uh, uh, appreciation of comic books, and this happened in uh, around the time of seventh grade uh, with when I met. Uh, uh, this gentleman, uh, you guys know him well. He is the uh, the head honcho here at Pwom, as me and uh, uh, Johnny like to call it. Uh, Mr. Kelly Nelson. Kelly, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Pwom. Yeah, that just rolls, <laughs> yeah. rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Perfect. I knew I was, I was doing the right thing with the change. <laughs> All right. So let's, before we get into this and our, and our main topic here, let's talk about, or why don't, I mean, why don't you talk about your interest in comics leading up to uh, when you met me and then, cause, cause then it all kind of merges into our, our, our time at Colonel Urban and uh, our junior high. Uh, that's the second time that's come up uh, uh, mm -hmm. in YMT. Uh, 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 it, and how uh, we both, you know, between me and you and Rick and then probably a couple other guys, again, that's a guest from episode two, um, how we all started really getting into comics around that time, like as a group. Um, why don't you tell me a bit about your experience and what you, got you into comics uh, before that? Well, it's appropriate we're talking about Spider-Man because that's what got me into comics was Spider-Man, but not the comic book, it was the, the cartoon the 60s cartoon that was shown in reruns for years and years and years afterwards, right? It, at least I remember it being on at, at noon around then. Yes, yes. It was that in like yeah. um, uh, the Buckshot show. Yeah, back to back, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you would come back from school for yeah. lunch and lunch. you'd watch uh, Spider-Man and Buckshot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember I'd only usually get to catch about the last 10 minutes uh, generally, because you know, I'd, it'd be like twelve fifteen was when I would get let out of uh, school, right. and I'd, so I get like the last ten minutes of Spider Man, and then it would always be Buckshot, which was like this, this God, how do you describe like Howdy Doody, but like a cowboy, yeah, uh, yeah, or Captain yeah. Kangaroo, good, yeah, yeah, yeah but like local, the, yeah, uh, cowboy, a lot of uh, yeah. yeah, 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 he local was an institution, yeah, he was an institution for a while, Benny, Benny the Bear, um, <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's me too. That was uh, probably me as well. That was probably the first. Like, I love that uh, yeah. cartoon as well. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was when it was when I was still in Winnipeg, so like early mm. '80s, late '70s, maybe even when I started watching the cartoon. And then I don't know. I mean, I don't have the memories. Obviously, I just kind of pieced it together over the years. But my dad would always bring comic back, comic books back from home or back home after work and I think that was something he did with my siblings my much older siblings for years and years so it was already established so mm -hmm. he was always bringing comics home he liked to read western comics and war comics but he wasn't into superhero comics ever right um yeah but I got are you, into talking, them are you talking like uh boo, 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 like gold key uh um maybe the one I remember specifically that he read was Jonah Hex, the Western, the DC. Right. It was DC. Western, yeah. who was like uh, basically uh, Clint Eastwood, man with no name. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, that's what the inspiration for that character was. And do you still have? Do you still favorite. have? Do you still have any of those comics? 
No, not not from that time. No, mm. those are long gone. Mm. Um, but yeah, like early '80s, like comic books were my first love before wrestling. Well yeah. before wrestling, yeah, a good five years, I would say. Sure. So yeah, I was into it all early '80s, and then I had like a few breaks here and there. I think my parents even like stopped buying comics for me at different times because they thought it was giving me nightmares. <laughs> I can remember having like those kind of conversations uh yeah. but i don't really remember having nightmares but i guess i kind of did or something anyway mm-hmm. so it was like kind of an off and on thing for most of the 80s but mostly on right. and then when uh, mcfarland started drawing spider-man yeah. at first i didn't really like him because i was like 10 years old and i was more into there was an artist ron friends who was spider-man's artist for a long period in the 80s Mm-hmm. I really liked him. And he had like a classic Silver Age, Kirby, Ditko kind of style that is I this, really liked. And I so who I've is, always liked that style. He, was he doing amazing? Yes, he did amazing. amazing. Okay. Yeah. And what, then he, uh, more than, wasn't he went he, on like, Thor. Yeah, he wasn't. Uh, see, I always associate every, a lot of those who are more... Um, what am I thinking? What era am I thinking of? So what era did this, this artist work in? that you're talking about Ron friends about 84 to 87 okay in that era. so would yeah. he have done that the alien symbiote or would he have been yes. for that okay okay so i'm kind of actually his one of his now. first i think his first issue yeah was actually the first black costume okay okay yeah then i know then I, yeah i did sure. love that work quite a bit yeah yeah interesting mm-hmm. It's it's interesting that he's not uh, spoken about as highly. Oh no! I mean, for a number of I mean, there's a a number of things that we're going to get into. Um, Yeah, I'd love to go back to that story again. Man, I loved that 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 Mm -hmm. storyline. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. So at first, I wasn't into McFarland because he was too, you know, much too much of a change, like a radical shift in style. And I yeah, and I was so. Like the Ron Friends was kind of the only Spider-Man artist I knew up to mm-hmm. that point, more or less. Mm-hmm. So at first I didn't like McFarlane. I actually stopped collecting Amazing Spider-Man for about a year. Yeah. And then like summer of 89 was when I got back into it because that was when it really exploded, like the popularity of yeah. the cool artists. Yeah. And that was the summer of Batman too. Sure, and it was all of that. comic books just suddenly became cool and that's when I got into um, McFarlane. I was older then than I was almost a teenager. Right. So I was more into the cool, cool look <laughs> and stuff. So that's so, where I was when we joined uh, yeah. the uh, new Spider-Man comic. Yeah, because it was really, it was really, um, it was you and, as I said, the aforementioned Rick Lee who got me into uh, Todd McFarlane's uh, work at the time. Because uh, mm-hmm. uh, just next door in the, in the uh, from our school, uh, in the little complex there, how many how many stores in that little little complex total do you think? There's probably a restaurant. The strip mall at the yeah, time. Yeah, strip mall strip across mall. the street from yeah from our junior high, Colonel Irvin. Uh, maybe like a half dozen. There yeah. was a convenience store where they would sell you cigarettes for a quarter, yes. Yes. even though you were only 12 years old. <laughs> different times it was different but it was also times. it's also calgary so yeah. that's well, you know that's yeah. typical calgary i remember there was like um, a pawn shop of some sort yeah yeah there was a repair like an electronic repair shop where my yeah. dad 
took our VCR to be repaired and it made it even worse. And <laughs> I never, <laughs> I think that was the only time he ever went to that repair yeah. shop. Yeah. There was a bakery mm. um, that was oh, popular man. for the, oh. the yeah, buns they made. Them. The butter buns. The, the butter, butter buns. buns were legendary. Yeah, butter buns. And as well as the, uh, there's some uh, uh, jelly donuts that I really liked. And I really liked the way the, uh, I think I had a, a, a MILF thing for the, for the, for the baker there, the way she'd say, lemon or raspberry. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. But of also, there was Comic and Game Universe. Comic and Game Universe. The most yeah. important part of the. Yeah, which is where we would spend a lot of our afternoons uh, just like hanging out because we got to know the, the owners pretty well. I want to say Kevin was the main guy. Kevin. Yeah. Kevin and Rob was his backup. Yeah. Like the backup cashier who I yeah. don't think Can... had an ownership stake. He was no, just no, employee. just, yeah, just a young burnout. <laughs> <laughs> younger, yeah, totally. One, <laughs> I can remember going in there with my dad. I think this was even before I started going to uh, Colonel Irvin. Yeah. And after we left, he told me, oh, they were all smoking pot in there. And it was Rob and a bunch of other <laughs> dudes, I guess, <laughs> just openly smoking pot. But I, I was too young to even know. Like, what I, that I, was? I probably thought it was cigarettes or I didn't even yeah. care. Yeah. But yeah. I can remember, specifically remember, my dad being pretty outraged that they're yes. smoking pot. Um, That's the reefer, son. Walk away. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. So yeah, so we were, yeah. so yeah, and that, yeah, as you say, this was the time when comics were getting cool. It was the summer, after the summer of Batman. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, people were buying comics a lot uh, more and more. It hadn't reached its peak yet. We're going to get to that. No. But uh, in terms of everybody just buying so many comics uh, and the excess, like, again, like the, the one connection I see between uh, the styles of the, the first artist I looked at, Extreme, and Todd McFarlane is the excess. Um, and we'll get to that. And I think that's indicative of the era, that type of excess mm -hmm. that, that, that people just... Uh, we're craving, um, but let's get into it. So let's get like Todd McFarlane, born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, same as us. I was thinking about this the other day because whenever I'd ask my, my friends from Calgary or even people who aren't from Calgary, who they think the most famous Calgarians are, I mean, Bret Hart is always number one, is still, because uh, nobody mm -hmm. got as big as him. I think second might be somebody like Feist, maybe. Um, but what, like, yeah, in, she's become pretty, pretty yeah, big. like she's pretty massive. Um, and uh, you know, then there's like, you know, what else? Owen, <laughs> you know, Jan Arden. But then I'm thinking, right. like, yeah, like maybe like Todd McFarlane is definitely top five most famous Calgarians mm -hmm. of all time, and people don't really think about it that much, but for sure, because this guy, he's no. kind of built a, an empire for 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 fuck's sake. Um, yeah. But so and we don't get into his bio too much. But we'll just get into his work as a comic uh, book artist. He started getting work published with Marvel in 1984. He was never an artist. He was he, he wasn't much. He was a baseball player. Um, we'll get more into. We'll hear yep. more. We'll hear more about that a lot later. Like and that's a key part of who this guy is as well. As he start to, you know, what his public persona would become like later. Um, mm -hmm. I, I mean. Before we get into this, so much, like, give me some adjectives to describe that that persona 
the 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 from what we know of him just from what you know of who he was and what his uh personality was um yeah go ahead well yeah he's very very confident in yeah his abilities. I mean, yeah that, that's shining yeah. through in every are you gonna interview. take that can you and take like, that would you go so far yeah. as to take that a step further and say arrogant yeah at yep. times i mean but he is arguably the most successful well i don't even know if it's arguably he's the most successful comic book artist ever as far as like you're right the most money. you are correct you are correct i think there's just because yeah. of what he was able to like he he really i mean we'll get into it more but okay yeah yes but okay yeah that's what i was gonna say too confident arrogant but but can walk the walk but it's man. like the only things he ever produced uh, pursued in life was to become a major league baseball player and to become an artist for marvel comics like yeah he, he had these huge ambitions mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he succeeded in one of them that's for sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and beyond and, it, and in a way kind of you know found a way to kind of cross over in a way um, anyways, so uh, he yeah. started getting work with Marvel in 1984 with Co uh, Coyote was his first work at Epic Comics. Uh, you, uh, I, I, I never really read much of Epic Comics. I know you would know a lot more no. about it than I. I know that. I think I want. I want to. I know their their biggest title was probably Elf Quest. Is that safe to say? Or the Conan? Yeah. No, no. Conan wasn't part of Epic. No. Conan was just strict Marvel. Um, Conan started like long before yeah. Epic. Epic, right. Epic was Marvel's attempt at doing heavy metal, that right. magazine, which was right. super popular in the eighties. Yeah. So like grown up or not even grown up, well, you know, adult R rated comic books with nudity, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of violence, basically. Wait a, sec that wait was, a second, wait a second, know, wait a second, wait a second, Kelly, Kelly, does, does ElfQuest, does it, does it show Bush? Uh, I I've never read an Elf. I, know, I don't think I think I, Elf think, I, think, pretty, I always pretty, thought Elf pretty clean. <laughs> I always thought ElfQuest was super clean. That's what when you were saying that I was like I was shocked. Um, yeah, it was a weird. weird uh, Gru the Wanderer was right. Gru the course. Wanderer was under was the epic, epic, yeah, epic imprint. Right. Yeah. 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 Good. Um, uh, but what was Coyote? Do you like? Did you look into this? Like they don't have much on their Wikipedia. No, page. I. Yeah, I, I may have seen it years ago. Yeah, yeah, but I I didn't look into it lately. Uh, <clears throat> it was just a backup story, I think. Yeah, or right. It was it was just a minor thing. Yeah, and that's and that's like kind of the only thing that the only thing that Coyote is remembered for this title. Um, anyway, so so he ends up doing some work with Batman at DC, uh, which like the, the year two storyline. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I know year one is really, uh, you know, it's Frank Miller and people love it. What do people say about year two? I never read it. Um, I read it yeah. years ago. It, it's, I mean, he didn't write it. I can't remember. I know, who but neither did Miller. Right, so. for it. No, no, it wasn't a Miller. It was about um, Batman finally tracking down Joe Chill, the, the man who killed his parents. Hmm. In, in the alley, right. that was the big, that was the storyline. And Batman had a gun. It was, right. it was um, inspired by the early days of Batman in the late 30s when he actually did use a gun in right. a few issues right at the beginning. Hmm. Um, but I don't remember, it's been so many years, I don't remember too much yeah. else. But uh, McFarlane's art was, uh, was really good. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I know that, God. 
so many comic book stores use that just have the 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 store there's a there's a bag that they give you uh and it's like standard issue mm -hmm. now that has a, a drawing of a, a, a McFarland Batman and a McFarland Spider-Man on one side. And then on the other side, just usually has a print of whatever the comic yeah. store is. So yeah, yeah. Some really, what, what ended yeah. up becoming fairly iconic. Um, also, so then he works in Incredible Hulk, oh, also oh, has oh, some really, right. some pretty iconic stuff there, including a very famous mm -hmm. uh, cover that we all know. Uh, you might know the, the, yeah. the issue number offhand, do you? The Wolverine cover, yes, three, yeah. 340, I think yeah, it was. Like anyway, yeah, you can see the reflection of uh, the Hulk on Wolverine's mm -hmm. claws. Um, again, making, yeah. uh, making a, f a bit of waves there, but really took off when he, when he started uh, on Amazing Spider-Man in 1988 with issue number 298. I remember when, so this is when I was, this is after, I, I, like, I was into him. Again, this is, I've, I came into him later into his run. At Amazing Spider-Man, but I remember for I, I got way into him just like you guys. I had uh, you know posters on the wall and stuff like this. And I remember asking, I my birthday had come around and I and I could have bought at the time, uh, Amazing Spider-Man two ninety eight and Amazing Spider-Man number thirty or, or three hundred. Pardon me, were both forty five dollars. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want the first. I want that chance encounter. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man two ninety eight. <laughs> That's the one I asked for for my birthday, and I still have it. It's still in great condition. However. 300 yeah. like i mean comic books oh yeah don't really do much these days yeah. but the first appearance of venom the first full appearance of venom which is 300 ended up mm -hmm. going way more uh which i mean oh, yeah. so this is this is entire run he's there uh, it's a 28 issue run <clears throat> which is written by david michelinie is how it's pronounced who is a really good writer i really like david michelinie's work um mm -hmm. and and this made, uh, anyways, his time there, this made Todd McFarlane uh, a star. Uh, uh, and it was, oh, yeah. it was three big things. Like he was an interesting superstar, but it was three big things that he did with Spidey. One was the crazy web swinging poses. Uh, two was the enlarged eyes. And three was the spaghetti webbing, which is, uh, mm -hmm. which is still practiced all the time. Like it hasn't changed. That hasn't gone away. All, 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 none of that's gone away. Like that is still a huge no. part of like it's you will oh, yeah. still see um the the smaller eyes now but it's but it's like done it, it almost often in ways to to show a, like a retro appearance um because yeah. this kind of took over as like this is what spidey looks like now um anyways uh so super influential he was a part of a, a class that you had mentioned at that time uh particularly rob liefeld and jim lee um can you what are some are there some other names that we should throw in there as well um those are the big three um eric larson came yeah, a bit later yeah he and was followed kind of, mcfarland yeah, yeah followed yeah. mcfarland amazing yeah i was going to talk about that but yeah those are the big three but mcfarland was above lightfeld and lee like he was on another level mcfarland when he when he hit big, McFarlane when McFarlane hit big, he was like the the biggest new artist to emerge on the scene since Neil Adams, and that was like a generation before, wild, wild. twenty years before. Yeah. As far as like totally changing the game and and making everybody else seem outdated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was as I said a twenty eight issue run. Uh, it ended up on uh, uh, during that uh, the acts of vengeance angle that they had going through uh, 
uh, uh, all of the a bunch of Marvel <laughs> comics, yeah, or like uh, you know story arc. Uh, yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. I'm going to cross over language all the time. I'm like, if you guys can't keep up, that's on you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I, I wanted to uh, talk about how his work, or just how he was received. I had found a really good quote about this, but maybe it was just on Amazing, or just on Spider-Man himself. Yes. So uh, this is like, I think it's, it's so I'm, I, I did a, a bit of research on Wikipedia, just to, to you know, kind of get the, because I don't want to go too deep, because we want to spend time on the text themselves. Uh, but, you know, it kind of pissed me off a bit when I read, like, the one quote they picked of for him i'm like why are they picking like is is wikipedia kind of editorializing uh about uh who this guy was with by by hand selecting this one uh uh quote and it's from comics journal editor gary groth who said of mcfarland in a 2017 interview he doesn't have any authentic virtues as a visual stylist his work is so over embellished that it disguised the fact that the composition is chaotic and cluttered to the point of being almost unreadable he never really learned the craft of comics. He just faked it really well. I, I was like, yeah, I mean, why did you pick that one? Well, I mean, but the, well, the, Gary Gross is, he hasn't liked superhero comics since like 1972. So really? Really? It's, it's not, yeah. Oh yeah. He's famous for being like, he, he grew up as a kid. He was like a, you know, a prodigy as far as like writing about comics as a critic. And okay. he, he loved Marvel Comics, and he had a Marvel Comics fanzine. But once he got to be college age, he went totally into just, you know, punk rock, and it, it had to be DIY style, right. independent comics, no superheroes, just total, um, just serious. Not Well, not always serious, but definitely not not the mass-produced Marvel or DC comics. He was, mm. a, and he hated them. And for years, he would just write, you know, editorials, just, you know, um, especially in the 80s. He was very much an enemy yeah. of Marvel, especially yeah. Marvel in the 80s. I'm just clicking yeah. on him now. Like, the, I see, like, I, th I thought he'd look more miserable, to be honest with you. He's only 65. Um, <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah. Wild. It's He's wild. That, Pacific that's... Northwest guy, Seattle. Uh-huh. So that's interesting. So I guess like having that context, okay, so now I can see why they picked this guy, if that's what he had that reputation. So, but I mean, the more I read what we looked at, I'm like, I can, I can see what he's saying, but I, I mean, there's, I th that's like, there's some bullshit there. There's some, there's some, uh, there's some kind of, there's also a little bit, hey, fuck you, Gary Gross. Like, man, like who the fuck are you? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, there, there's, there's truth to what he said, but yeah, he's coming from a, like a pretty anti- Mm -hmm. superhero artist position sure. and kind of I don't know how much we'll talk about like the consequences of superstar artists cool artists you know taking over and of and course causing a well, huge boom in right? comic books and then well, a huge crash right that almost wiped out <laughs> the whole industry <laughs> right. yeah it's wild so he's man. a little bitter probably about that that side of things Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, because it is a 2017 interview too. Of course, I didn't even think about that. Of course, he's looking back at this piece of shit, this asshole. He's just so he just comes off as so bitter. Oh, that's funny, especially after you tell me that. Um, okay, well, yeah. So he's as we say, he's replaced by Eric Larson, who is really kind of seen as like a, 
I remember we, especially Rick, really saw him as just like yeah. aping, aping his style and things like that. But I go back and mm-hmm. I really liked, uh, I really liked the way he drew uh, Spidey. And I, I like the subtle difference. Mm-hmm. I like that he made him a little more slim. And I like that even though, yeah, he is, but he's just the first one. Everybody was like, that's a thing. And everybody did forever. Yeah. Uh, he was just the first yeah. one to follow and maybe one of the best, uh, you know, to follow, uh, especially. Oh, I'd say as far as becoming a writer on top of his art, he, he, his Savage Dragons, I, I haven't know. read a lot of it, but it, it, Although, it's actually, it's still being published. He's I still, know. Well, I watched, I read it, uh, yeah, early at the beginning and I was way into it for a while. He's gone kind of uh, over the edge with just like X-rated stuff in it and things I've mm. seen since. Um, I don't know. So I've got, like he's kind of he's become much more niche. That whole that whole uh, series has, um, but but I think mm-hmm. he has a dedicated fan base still. Um, oh, big time! Um, um, but but he did. I mean, we'll talk about this. He did a he was involved in a Michelini story near the end of his run at the, a six part story that, uh, called the return of the sinister six that when Larson mm-hmm. uh, takes over after McFarlane leaves, that <clears throat> is, is uh, written by Larson and he does another, another six part series. That's like a sequel to that uh, six part series yeah. called the, the revenge of the sinister six. That was just as good and just as fun. Um, and that showed that he could write um, uh, can, but that leads us to what happened here is it's talking about a, a, an artist who could write is Todd McFarlane was so popular that eventually, like, I guess he start he, he's asking for this, right? He wanted his own title. Uh, he was so much of a star that he asked for his own title and, and he got it, which was uh, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man. And that's what we're going to talk about is this, his run on the Spider-Man series here that started with, uh, Spider-Man number one. I mean, I'm, as we go through this, uh, Kelly and I were talking about beforehand, I will really, I'm going to split it up into the the separate arcs, the separate story arcs that went over. It's a 15 issue run. Um, and we'll kind of go over, I think, it, what is there, like four stories in total, I think. Four or five and, you know, a half, uh, four and a half. Yeah, four. Yeah, four, four, four and a half. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I did, you know what, I didn't mm-hmm. read the X-Force because I don't really care. Oh, <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad we're going to agree on that because yeah. it's a piece of shit. I just skimmed through it. And, uh... All right. Um, so Spider-Man number one comes out in August 1990, sold 2.5 million copies. Yeah. It's fucking insane yeah. to think about now. I think that was the most. For a while. I think it was the most ever. Until. Or the most. It, had, it was the most since the mid-1940s at least. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Almost fifty years. It was the highest selling comic in fifty years. Unbelievable. Um, just yeah, like crazy. Uh, such an iconic cover. Um, it was uh, it was X Men number one that eventually replaced it, right? Because that had yeah. like like yeah, five. That had, nothing will ever touch yeah, that. Yeah, that was like four. It had uh, five covers, I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. And while this technically like had a, about that too, when you think about it, because there was the the original cover just in in with him, I, and it's mm-hmm. an iconic an iconic cover. There have been I, I looked up the mm-hmm. the homages since um uh there, and there's like 41 just on like this one Pinterest page. Some are some are eh, some are all right. My favorite was uh, speaking of uh, Marvel offshoots was the Star Comics uh mighty mouse uh one where he's just like like he's just all tangled up in it uh is really oh, yeah. good um 
but yeah, you guys huh. should look it up. Like everybody and their dog has done it. Like Todd McFarlane himself has done has redone it in this own in this own series. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. But <laughs> yeah. but also like he did it on Spawn. Like it, it's shown up a thousand times, and it's just it is iconic. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I said, there's like different versions. There's one in silver. There's a second print or second printing that was in gold that I thought, oh, it's a second printing. I can cut yeah. it up and put it on my wall. It ended up being for a yeah, while. It was, I the remember o- that. it was the only one that went up in price. And you guys are like, you fucking idiot. You guys just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the print run for that one is a lot lower mm-hmm. than the original um, print. I mean, so I, I, I don't like, valuable, like none of them are worth there. anything. None of them are worth anything now, I don't think, because there was just so many of them. Everybody bought so many of them, so much. I think, I mean, so there were bagged versions. There was bagged versions with a UPC code. Yeah. I remember in the wizard guide, there was just like eight different listings for all the different versions. Yeah. Um, um, uh, so it opens up with a five-part story called Torment. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, so at the beginning here, people were thinking that there's a five-part story this is going to be like what was happening with uh, Batman at the time, because there are there was that a Batman series called The Legends of the Dark Knight. I mentioned this on a on a on a episode a while back here. Um, did you read that series at all? I had, I think I had the first five or whatever yeah. it was yeah. of the Legends of, and but that was getting into the time when you started buying comics because you thought they were going to be valuable. Right, right. Not so much that you actually wanted to read them and that you were interested in them. And I think that, like, I, I liked Batman, um, but not that much, especially mm-hmm. not Batman in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. The Batman comics were actually not really good, mm-hmm. from what I remember. Um, I, so, I yeah, think, I just I had th- kind of the first five yeah. and put them in a bag and put them in a box, and that was it. Yeah, I do think there's a couple, uh, you know, standout works from the late 80s involving the Dark Knight that, you know, we should mention were pretty good. But but I, I know what you mean. <laughs> well, yeah, depending yes. on what you consider, like the Dark Knight Returns, of course, uh-huh. that was in 86, so kind of mid 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. the death, okay. of, uh, death of Robin was, yeah. was, yeah, was good, and it was, of course, really uh, famous and and important, right? And a significant, like a touchstone. Like it, mm-hmm. when, when, like I, I taught, I got, I got, I, I've talked to you about this. I get to teach art now, and uh, I did it. We did a comic books ages unit that was so much fun. Uh, and you know, every time you watch a documentary about the comic book ages, they always talk about that that era and how that was kind of a shift, right? Um. Oh but, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but so, like, I mean, it doesn't end up being that five issue. because So that Legends of the Dark Knight was a five issue thing every time, right? Uh, and this one, it, it was for this one, but this it followed up with a, with a two issue arc. So I guess they didn't stick to it. Anyways, uh, in the first issue, uh, we have all the things we wanted. You know, we've got uh, the cool poses, splash pages, a classic villain. Do we have a story? No. Not at all. Not at all. Not at really. <laughs> Peter, does Peter have a, an inner crisis? Maybe. Uh, like, uh, meanwhile, the wizard's on the loose. Like, like I think, it, like, it's just kind of like, like, it starts with him just kind of kicking the shit out of uh, some some crooks, no problem, and he gets home and he's like, I can't believe this is too easy. I, I think that's. I think you're just supposed to show that he's like a little overconfident, but and it finishes with like, and these drums are beating. We don't know where they're coming from. And the lizard's coming out. So, um, 
as a, it doesn't like there's no real conflict there right as an individual first comic as of an individual first issue and like oh you gotta you ever read spider-man number one man <laughs> like no one's asking that like oh it's excellent because no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's it's just not nothing there um yeah like it, it starts a trend where we see for these first five issues he sticks to this this one line of rise above it all where you open up to this double splash pages and they're always uh usually pretty great uh, i think there's one that's kind of mad but um but they're usually like pretty awesome and like shows off what what he can do and that's really what this is he and this is where i think that that groth is might have a point uh in that he he's hitting right away McFarlane and throughout this first series right specifically he's including all of the things you want like he's throwing them in there right like he's got it there's always a, a a scene with Mary Jane because everyone thought he used to draw her so hot right like god we're like these teenagers mm. I, that's the other thing I, like I, I always thought uh, Eric Larson drew uh, way hotter especially at, at my in my teenage years um <laughs> and uh so we got that and we also got him we got those swings we got those splash pages we got him doing like uh uh like a, a, a classic villain because we always we people like the way he, his interpretations on these villains and stuff but it's just kind of forced in with this with this thing i thought I, it goes into spider-man 2 for, for these covers i thought spider-man i thought the episode or issue number two has a good classic cover uh i didn't think three and four's covers mm -hmm. were that good uh, I think when he yeah. tries to do, when he tries to do, um, uh, I thought like the cover for number two looks like, it looks like a classic Spider-Man cover, I think. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, I yeah, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. With the lizard, a classic yeah. villain. Yeah. Too. So yeah, that was, yeah. that's maybe the best. Well, the, like you said, of course, the first one's iconic, but then yeah. after that, the second yeah. one's the best cover. Yeah. Because with three, he, he like uh, he he does this again way later. I think he really fails when he tries to do abstract or tries to kind of go for like a Steranko or a kind of Sankowitz kind of vibe on his covers. Because with that upside down, like it just seems so forced for three when he's trying to, you know, have the dripping mm -hmm. blood and spider webs and blah blah blah. Just that that doesn't really work for me. However, <laughs> uh, issue five that is again maybe. Whew, maybe the <laughs> maybe this probably second best cover of the whole series uh it just it it has that spidey that classic uh from that really great uh early storyline uh with uh, yeah. lee, lee and ditko the di yeah yeah uh yeah it was clearly inspired by that right but, but still with that new kind of mcfarland style where the the broken mask and he's coming out of it. It's, it's awesome. I I remember I wanted it on a shirt. <laughs> I never got, I got, I got something that was close, but not quite the same. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so but we'll get into everything for the rest of this story. There's, uh, he has a run with the lizard He's way stronger than usual. And, and right away, Spider-Man's afraid he's going to get killed and he accidentally kills a lizard. So he kind of has this brief kind of crisis, but realizes that he's poisoned. Uh, you get, here's one thing I thought was interesting for these, for these, for issue two, three, and four, he put in an origin story for the lizard, for himself, or for, for Spider-Man, and for, um, mm -hmm. the, the mystery witch, who apparently is Calypso, who we find out, that we never find out, I mean, I remember reading about yeah. it later, um, uh, it's weird that we never, whatever, we'll get to that, uh, 
Yeah, the name is never, and he also, through the whole thing, he acts like he's never seen her before. Yeah. I don't know. She did appear in a couple couple early 80s Spider-Man comics mm-hmm. as, as Craven's, you know, um, girlfriend, witch doctor, whatever you want right. to call her. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember, I know I had those issues, but I don't remember if she was in the shadows all the time and, and Spidey never saw her or this was just for whatever reason, McFarlane thought he had to retcon that part mm. out of it. I'm not mm. sure. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I thought the second issue was a little more effective in terms of storytelling because he actually had action, like he fought him and he came back to life. And uh, and I guess in a way it does build on that kind of overconfidence or just what's that complacency that, that Spidey or that Peter mentions in the beginning. It still is just so, I mean, Spider-Man 2, or this first, the second issue has way more action to it. But I mean, over the course, as you said, uh, when we were talking beforehand, uh, you probably, I, I don't think, you, I wouldn't combine this all into one issue, these first five issues, but you definitely, it didn't have to be five. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, for I was, the art, I mean, it was, it was all about the art, right? And, yeah, and, it was. And the cool poses. Yeah, and it was. And so it, it's fine in that regard. And it was super successful, but as, as, as literature, it's, 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 you know, at the time, I remember we made fun of it for yeah. not making sense. I just be like, it's just a downer. Of, it's just it a downer. It was so unlike any, any, yeah, it's super dark. It's, uh, I mean, the whole series is, is a horror comic book. It is. I, I didn't is. think about it that way when I was a kid. It is. But, but it, it, and it's also a dry run, a dry run for Spawn. Spawn. It totally, totally was. Like, he was trying it, everything out. It, yeah. it basically, yeah, it, it, it was Spawn with Spider-Man as Spawn. It was. It was. Um, um, until that last But issue. yeah, the, the story is, is, is so thin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thin. It, it, it was because nothing, like, I don't know. Anyways, but I was intrigued with the second with the second issue because he does kind of finish him off and like, oh my God, he's come back to life. Uh, Anyways, fight continues on in Spider-Man number three. There's again a really nice splash page, uh, but Lizard is told to stop because of the, from this witch doctor. Spidey comes to, he's still poisoned, and we suddenly see finally a full page, which is Craven with the Lizard, uh, uh, who and someone is controlling something. Uh, at that point, I kind of thought, okay, this is a little better than I remember. Um, for for number four, then it started really slowed down again. Maybe I'm like, is a zombie Craven not Craven at all? It was just a it was real bait and switch because he was gone right away after that. That was kind of dumb. Uh, mm-hmm. Like uh, Pete's, uh, he's tied up at, at at this witch's place, and we see her origin story and the connection to Craven. Eventually, Spidey breaks out, uh, but the building blows up. It felt a bit like nothing happened until the end again. So finally, Spider-Man number five, the torment conclusion. Spidey barely survives the explosion, so do, but so do Lizard and this, the, the witch doctor broad. Uh, Spidey survives the onslaught. The witch makes the building collapse on herself. Uh, there's no answers, no real payoff. It reminds me of the Spidey. Uh, I guess it's just meant to be like in this, what we're describing is a horror comic. And it just like, uh, I'm going to get to like uh, the... It's grotesque. He has a, he has a talent for the grotesque. He always had, and and mm-hmm, I think and mm-hmm. and I don't just that doesn't necessarily mean disgusting. It, it can mean absurd and like exaggerated and over the top. Um, yeah. And you know uh, that 
to to the where I, you know, he still it was like a, a square hole in a round peg to, to some way when he was given this much uh, freedom with this character. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? Because I guess this is a bit like you're you're forcing in a reminder of. This is Spidey's character's drive and motivation. Don't forget, sometimes you, you like don't get too comfortable, right? Because some things, sometimes things don't make sense. You know, and I just spent five issues going over something that really didn't make that much sense. <laughs> and probably probably could have done it. Well, yeah, he he was clearly inspired and influenced by Frank Miller and Alan Moore. And, and I thought his paneling a lot right like them. Yeah, I think also I think uh, uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. For sure, especially the uh, yeah, the way all the, all the grown up quote unquote right. grown up comics right. at the time. Basically. I saw more of that, like this the way he would do like the, that's the one thing I think he was doing interesting things with that I that I think worked in this were the um, uh, his framing the way he or he messes with panels uh, and and I think he got a lot of that from uh, Gaiman's Sandman. Who's the artist on Sandman? Um, at there the, was a the few different ones. I'm thinking of like right I, at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know the name yeah. off the top of my head. I, I've actually never read Sandman. That's one blind spot for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Frank Miller did a lot of that. I think that was definitely with the um, the different news reporters or TV uh, reporters for the evening news. Right. Those panels, right. you know, yes, yes, TV screen. Yes, that was a total Miller. Yeah. Miller um, technique yeah. from uh, while well, uh, the Dark Knight Returns and also other yeah. uh, comics that he did too. He starts, but but uh, McFarlane. Yeah, it, it was totally, it was totally trying to be the 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 big boys, the the grown up writers. Right. And this was his first attempt at writing, though. Right. I know. <laughs> so you kind of got to cut him some slack in that yeah. regard. I mean, yeah. He as far as as a lot of like poorly written early 90s superhero comics goes, yeah. this isn't too bad. And the first five, you know, there's actually not that much, much text at all. I know, it's you can most, really get through it like, really I quick. read the first five in, in no time flat. Yeah. Yeah, and the art, like my first note is 30 years later, the art still pops off the page. It does. Like it's fresh and yep. new yep. today. Like yep. it, it's timeless in a, in a way. Yeah. It, it, it still looks cool. It does. Um, but yeah, the story is is, is just, uh, it's bare bones as bare bones can be, but actually, when I after reading the whole run, this may have been my favorite <laughs> because really? later he starts getting a little more bold with his writing. Yes. Well, I we'll, we'll get to the Wolverine storyline okay. too. Okay, but that was mine. That was, as, that was as my it progresses, favorite. Yeah, I mean that one's good. Too. Like I'm I'm torn between those two. Okay, as my favorite. Okay, but. My argument for the first five is that it's the less verbose. And then as <laughs> yes. it goes on, he becomes, I guess, maybe more confident. Because right. then it gets really heavy in some points with the, with the text. Right. And, and the text isn't always, um, you know, Shakespeare or, yes. or Dickens. Yes. But, uh, and he or just, Stan Lee. He really, <laughs> yeah, or Stan Lee, well said. He really um, just starts to just include just subject matter that he's just like, you want, it, you want something that's going to shock the shit out of you or you want something that's going to make you want to puke or something that's really <laughs> disturbing. Like, it's like, what the yeah. fuck, man? Slow down. Like, I get it. You, like, you, 
yeah. you know, yeah. like there's so much child rape and like pedophilia. Like, like why do you always like? Yeah, times and just, that's a, that that carries over into Spawn. In Spawn, he, big time, big time. It's been a life yeah. a lifelong, <laughs> lifelong obsession or whatever you want to call it. Interesting. Of, of, Has anyone ever interviewed him about that? I'm sure someone has. Probably. I, I wonder. Uh, I haven't got some, yeah, got some skeletons. read or seen any, any, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, um, it'd be I mean, yeah. So he's got some, like, as we said, he's got some trademarks as a writer. He's got some trademarks as an artist, but uh, the trademarks as a writer include just some of like that, just really, really just like forensic things you hear about at a crime lab. Like, ugh. like you know, that you don't yeah. expect yeah. in a Spider-Man comic. That's for sure. No. Uh, what, no, which, no, no. Lead, which leads us into the next, which Spider-Man issues six and seven, which are with Hobgoblin and the, uh, the Ghost Rider. Two, again, uh, I'm going to look at them again here real quick. Uh, two really solid uh, covers. Um, especially, uh, yeah, yeah, like you can tell, like these are two, two characters that, that, again, even if he's forcing this story again, and this isn't much of a story again either, but he's it's picking... Even... Even less of a story. I know. So stupid. So stupid. Uh, I get like both like this, this and the second last story, the last two shot just left you with this kind of like, what? What? What did we just do? What did you just take me through? Much? Anything? But it's just it like, well, anyways, Hobgoblin, again, very nicely drawn. Like he's like, this is again, you're starting to see how like how he's going to mess with capes and stuff a lot that he had started to do oh, yeah. with Batman, but would really go wild on with uh, with Spawn. Uh, but Hobgoblin's gone crazy Christian for some reason, has killed 12 people, kidnapped, a, a, you guessed it, a kid. <laughs> Ghost Rider uh, it shows up again, nicely drawn. And he's introduced nicely. It keeps the, the, the more mature a tone of just you know like pedos and coke pedos and coke that's what we got here <laughs> that's what the the tone of spider-man six and seven um some really nice fight scenes and with better colors than in the previous one i thought um a weird conclusion uh peter saves the boy and gives ghost rider a bit of a scolding <laughs> again it's just like a lot of sound and fury signifying nothing i felt a bit of that i felt a bit of that classic spidey here I thought much more. I felt more of that classic Spidey than I did in any of the the first one as much. Even though there was, you'd see the frames of him fighting Lizard. I thought because they, they he packed in the 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 fight scenes with with Hobgoblin here, I I felt a bit more of what we wanted from him. But it's still very hollow. <laughs> still very very hollow. Uh, yeah, and, and and it's basically a Ghost Rider story first, and and Spider-Man's just kind of watching. Yeah, hey, what are you doing here? Get out of my gets comic. Repeated in, in the Wolverine story. Yeah, although, I, but I want to get into that. I um, get into that. You know, I I don't know if McFarlane was actually. Yeah, I was going to say I don't know if McFarlane was too interested in being a Spider-Man writer. Mm -hmm. um, I think he. He wanted to do the other characters. I, I don't know. There's a lot of um, a lot of the um, the subtext is that Spider-Man's kind of increasingly feeling lost in this world with the gritty characters like Wolverine and Ghost Rider. And he mentions Punisher too. Those were like the big three yeah. of the super violent characters. But you know, I think, and there's also I don't know if it's 
true or not, but I've heard the story that McFarlane wanted to do Spawn at, at Marvel, Marvel instead of Spider-Man. Yeah, like mm. he didn't, he wanted to do his own thing right. and not do Spider-Man, but of course he had to do Spider-Man because yes. Spider-Man was the most popular character. That's what he was known for. Mm-hmm. And he had to do Spider-Man first, but I mean, I don't know. I know he was a fan of Spider-Man growing up, but he read, that's kind of like how he practiced uh, drawing and becoming a comic book artist was by um, reading uh, Spider-Man comics and, and being using those as a template. Mm-hmm. So I know he did have affinity for the character, but it, increasingly as you go on in this series, it seems like he would rather write about the horror characters like Ghost Rider or the gritty characters like Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And then Morbius later gets um, a lot of time yeah. in, in the uh, later because issues. Because it fit, like he's just trying to, well, he's like, okay, well, I can fuck around with my grotesque like style and kind of go off with that. And I think he's mm-hmm. like, we talked about him trying to ape Miller's writing. I think as it goes along here, he starts to want to start to draw like Frank Miller too. Um, and right. uh, like that's a, a, an interesting choice when he had become like, I mean, it's fine. Like, it, I don't know, it's just wait, there's one part, it, it comes later. Maybe it's in this next uh, story. I mean, we'll move on from this. Oh, before I move on, I do want to talk about uh, the, 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 we talked about the trademark uh, uh, stuff that he had, but he'd always have like he he he'd like to work in some subtle uh, or some things that are not too subtle. Um, <laughs> uh, like one is uh, Felix. He would always work in Felix the cat into his drawings, uh, which I remember yeah. loving. But he always would would work in Wayne Gretzky references as well. Um, yeah, uh, which really uh, the first big one that we see here was in uh, Spider Man number eight to twelve, which is called Perceptions. Um, Let's go over these these covers first. I, uh, you know, upon I hadn't really thought about it much at the time, but I love the first one. Like that reminds me of. So this is issue number eight. That reminds me of, like that could be a Ditko uh, cover back in the day. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. with, with yeah, his, his yeah, that, that was that was that was and, classic style. Yeah. yeah, and then the same thing underneath here uh, that for for number for issue number nine, Perceptions Part Two of Five, with that that kind of black background with the green, that reminds me of that uh, like the old Molten Man cover when Stitko was or Ditko was doing the early issues as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that kind of style as well? That used to be a kind of a classic uh, Spidey yeah. uh, cover. And the next ones, I'm not too. They feel a little more. Uh, dated and of the time too dark yeah yeah exactly yeah thrown together yeah you know not yeah they're just not too inspired yeah but uh yeah those kind of stood up but so yeah so this story we uh so kelly freaks out and first of all you should tell me what's tell me about this program you've been using to to read these comics Um, because i I was able to dig out the actual the actual uh uh ones out of my collection that i still had yeah, well, you inspired me to get the Marvel Unlimited, um, to get a subscription to Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about it, which is, it's like, you know, the Netflix for Marvel Comics or, or whatever comparison, WWE Network for Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. where they have, I believe, 27,000 issues, you know, available digitally. Mm-hmm. And it's great because mm-hmm. you get the app on your phone and you can just read comics on your phone wow. and I've been reading them like crazy for the last week. 
because you, you can zoom in on all the individual panels. Awesome. It, it, it's just the, the, it's so user-friendly. It's just awesome. Cool. But how much, the how reason much is, I had to, it's, uh, it's 9.99 US. So what is that now? Mm -hmm, <laughs> Canadian. Whatever. Yeah. $14. Um, the same price I was paying for the WWE network. And yeah. I, I canceled my subscription to that a few months ago. So I basically just replaced one mm -hmm. um, of my geeky hobbies with another. There we go. And I, I, I just, I'm loving it. But the reason I, I, you inspired me to get it is because I, when I collected these issues back then, 30 years ago, I had stopped after issue seven. Mm -hmm. what, I, I think I actually stopped after issue six. And right. years later, I, I got issue seven. But by the time the Wolverine storyline started, I was, I'd stopped uh, collecting, yeah. I think, most comics. So mm -hmm. I didn't have these. And then I got back into it at the end the, um, to jump ahead uh, a bit. The, the blackish or the return of the black costume in issue right. 13 was what sucked me back in. Interesting. Because that was, you know, a cool yeah. thing. Yeah. But, but I missed this whole story, the whole perception story I didn't have. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I got Marvel Unlimited and was able to read it that way. I read the whole, um, the whole 15 issue run. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, I'm gonna, does it include the uh, uh, letters pages or bullpen? Uh, no, it, it, it's weird. It, for the, the Spider-Man issues, none at all. Yeah. But in some of the other older comics I've read, it's really random. Some have a letters page, but then most don't. I mm. don't know. But unfortunately, no, most don't have the letters pages. Okay. Yeah, because with, with I think it was at the end of issue seven or six, one of these before here, they had, I mean, they had, they had run a, um, a contest for, to come up with the name for the, the letters page at the end of this and Crawl Space won out for, uh, for Spider-Man. And it, one of the, like, I think it was issue six or seven, uh, it comes from, there's a, a long, long uh, letter uh, from uh, Golden Age Collectibles here in Vancouver, British Columbia in Granville. Mm. Uh, uh, and so like, I want to go and talk to those guys because they, like, they're the nicest guys ever. I mean, when they're back up and running, I, I, maybe they are now, I don't know. But I would ask them if like, uh, I'm sure they're aware of it. And I wonder if that guy still works oh, yeah. there. That's so cool. Oh, probably. I, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess, so, and that leads us to the, the yeah, this, this next five issue arc eight, uh, episode or issue eight to 12. My, I do episode issue. I, I say those words and, and fuck it up at, at least 10 times in every podcast I do. <laughs> every podcast drives me crazy. That's the biggest thing. I, I, I like, I'm kind of dyslexic that way. Um, so the reason why I bring up that, that, that's that letter from this, this comic shop in my, in our hometown here is this story takes place in Hope, British Columbia, which is where, which is just outside of, uh, you know, Vancouver and extremely close to, to where you live now. Uh, it's where they filmed mm -hmm. Rambo, where they filmed Rambo, what, what they were known for, where right. I found that, uh, a Levi's commercial that I, that I had, uh, talked ah. to. Donnie about a while ago. Oh no, I talked to um, uh, Mikey Manville about on, a, on an episode of YMT. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that was a Super Bowl commercial. I shot it out there. Uh, and so Peter is sent there. He's sent to Hope, British Columbia on assignment from, from J. Jonah Jameson at the Bugle. Um, what do you think, like, so you see a little bit of him, uh, just a little bit of him at the Bugle here, and you see a little bit more in the, the, the next storyline. What do you think of the way Spidey or, or Todd McFarlane did that the stuff at the at the daily bugle knowing what we knew before and the way he drew that mm, 
There, there, there wasn't too much there. Um, I know, but did you feel like he kind of captured it at times? Like, do you like the way he drew? What do you think of the way he draws faces? Because you really get a lot, like, like he really fucks it. Like, he, he gives everyone a little bit more chunk, a little more thickness than they than they necessarily mm-hmm. need. Sometimes I found. Um, sometimes it works. He does this really. I noticed this thing, really th- annoying thing he does with. The, the, the bangs of people where they all just kind of fringe out in front of you. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, so even, much hair. Even with yeah, Wendigo. Even it, so much hair. Yeah, and even Wendigo has that weird little frilly bangs in the front in one shot in this mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. It's like, did he style that? Um, so, uh, but I, I liked, I, I like the way he, 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 even though he has just like a couple moments of, of stuff at the Bugle, I like the way he draws stuff there. I, I kind of like the way he draws he goes extra cartoony with with J. Jonah Jameson. I like that face. There's one, we'll get to it in the last thing where he's just drawing so many faces and it almost feels like he's just, he's checked out. <laughs> yeah. He's checked out and he's just <laughs> throwing, in, throwing in shit from his uh, uh, sketchbook or something. Portfolio, yeah. Totally. <laughs> So, anyways, here we are. For what? 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 You? You guys want to guess? Like, is this just a, a regular old murder mystery? Where with that we're investigating here in uh, in uh, Hope, British Columbia? No, 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 no. They're all kids. Lots of kids, of course, and and child molestation. Don't forget about that. <laughs> so, if uh, I think if this had been the only dark story of the series, it would have been more of a standout. I think. Um, uh, some. I, I thought this had. I think this was. This was my favorite story, I think, because it had a real kind of Twin Peaks vibe. Um, when I, I like that, so it starts off, as you said, it starts off as a Spider-Man story. It's an, a, a, entirely a Spider-Man story where he's sent to go to British Columbia and hope. He, uh, oh, uh, Kelly, Kelly got really excited because there's not enough room. He calls Mary Jane. He can't. There's not enough room in Hope. So where does he stay, Kelly? He's staying in Chilliwack, which is my current hometown essentially so although i would like funny. to say i'm well technically i'm well no technically i'm in chilliwack but i'm up on a hill on a farm so you know overlooking it, anyway you're overlooking exactly i i can see ch- the lights of chilliwack right now from where i'm sitting That's funny you could probably but i never could... i never thought it would appear in a comic book it's so uh, funny man it's so, so funny so i todd mcfarland grew up on uh, like he spent a lot of time on Vancouver Island. So there's a lot of that here too. This has a big uh, ecological, uh, environmental vibe. He also has like, uh, his, the way he, he so he, these are social issues that, that he cares about. Clearly he like, like, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to hate on the guy for, for trying to call attention to, to, you know, fucking pedophilia and stuff like that. It's just like, it's a little... Just you know, take it back a bit, buddy. This is Spidey, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, you know, you just imagine the swing yeah. and the swing in sixties of what we fell in <laughs> love with, and then landing in like, what are you doing with that kid? Um, yeah, oh just, yeah, this storyline in particular reminded me of like the you know the really dark sixties Spider-Man cartoons, I, the one that I guess Ralph I, Bashke. I thought that for the last one. I thought that for the very last story, big time, when there's like yeah. underground dwellers and shit. That was totally from like right. the, the yeah, Ralph Bakshi. Well, I could just hear the music in the back yes. of my head, you know, because it had a different... Dun, 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 d
This is totally like that because it had no those ones I didn't like so much as a kid because they didn't deal with right the the classic the, the villains. villains the classic villains yeah it was all aliens and underground Dwellers. people like you mentioned and and, and like cavemen I, there was like time right. travel back yeah. to the and like the, the stone age and, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I wouldn't mind going back and watching them. Like, like you can tell what their who, oh, their, yeah. who yeah, they were, audi- <laughs> who their audience was at that point. Uh, I think because it was Bakshi, right? He or Bakshi was doing the backgrounds. I remember yeah. at that time, but he wasn't writing. But it was just like it was a, like LSD trips. But that's what they were trying to. I think they were aiming for. Anyways, I thought so. With uh, perceptions, um, like I think, like I think he's aiming for a Twin Peaks. He, he mentions Twin Peaks in a different issue. He mentions the Twin yep. Peaks and the Simpsons. It's no, really... it's, it's the first. It's number eight. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, referenced or no he he Peter's talking to himself or whatever you know, yeah. and he he thinks about he he told MJ to tape the Simpsons and Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> so that totally sets it in 1990. I know. I know. It's right so cool. there and. It's so crazy that 30 years later, The Simpsons is still yeah. on TV with, with no end in sight. Yeah, that's so funny. That's why I remember in, uh, in the, uh, the six-issue series of Revenge of the Sinister Six that um, uh, Eric Larson writes, uh, I remember uh, they're talking about how Peter listens to music like Elvis Costello, but, and this is a good tie-in to the, the previous YMT uh, uh, subject, is uh, MJ mentions that she listens to Extreme, among some, a couple other bands. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there so you I go. Lar- or Michelini was maybe a fan, or Larson. <laughs> yeah, I think at that point it was Larson, but yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, so, well, yeah, Wolverine shows up and he's smoking darts. You definitely couldn't do that nowadays. Um, interesting... Um, <laughs> I thought there's interesting media subplot. It's so funny that you see the Vancouver Sun. Of, of all the yeah. of all this the comics that I read here, this is as I said, this is the one I'm going to give my wife. My, I told my wife just read it. Just read these five comics. You'll think it's it's interesting, if nothing else, to see the way that they. There's so many references to uh, these these parts of uh, you know BC that we know. But there's a you see the Vancouver Sun a number of times. You see the Calgary Herald, of course, which we knew at the yeah. time. Which so at, when we're seeing this, mm-hmm. we're like freaking out. Like oh my god, it's so good. Um, uh, um, and uh, and really awesome. Like way later on here, because of all these Bigfoot killings, like somebody's blaming Bigfoot and Sasquatch for all the killings. You see a quick shot of Alpha Flight, which it's a uh, Sasquatch and and Puck, right? It's a nice little yeah, one another nice little can con. And you get your first real big Wayne Gretzky reference from a guy wearing an Oilers uh, cap. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, uh, but there was a good media subplot. I like the relationship with Peter and the reporter here. Um, uh, the story unfolds in a good and, and cleaner way, I think, than before. So and you see Wendigo is being blamed for the murders of these children. There's tons of hunters trying to track them down, attack Wendigo. Uh, Wolvie finds Peter, gets him to meet in the woods. They they figure out the murderer is an RCMP officer. It's so wild, man. There's one picture where a close-up of an RCMP officer in here that is great and does look like what a fucking shitty RCMP officer. Like that's a, only a Canadian could draw. Yeah, that's that guy. Like it's like I think you know the picture I'm talking about. It's like a, he's got a real fat face and a and a mustache. Right, There's a mustache. One panel. Yeah, one yeah, panel. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, this guy knows. We've RCMP. all been there, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> um. So Wolvie finds Peter, gets him to meet in the woods, and they figure out the murder. Yeah, as he said, an RCMP officer. I thought this was a solid story, and and 
it, as I said, I think it was the best. It reminded me of a, a, a better story, but had the same tone as that Spider-Man versus Wolverine one shot. Did you ever read that? Where he's in Germany? Uh, yeah, I had it. I don't know if I read it cover to cover. Yeah. It was, I remember at the time thinking, eh, it just didn't. The artist, I can't even remember who the artist was, but it wasn't a, a regular it wasn't. Artist. It, it wasn't. wasn't even, uh, Mark Bright. Was, Mark Bright. I've got it in front of me. Okay. Inks by Al Williamson. Yeah. Um, it's really kind good. Kind of like... It's 64 pages. It? Okay. It's 64 yeah, pages. Yeah, yeah. It was huge. Yeah. Ned yeah. Leeds And it's set in Berlin. Yeah, and, Germany. And, yeah. It's yeah. dark. It's dark. I mean, I remember it being really dark. But And, and every time I... Like when I look back at... um, I haven't read it in forever. Um. But, you know, when I see, you know, the best Spider-Man stories ever, ever told, I see this uh, Spider-Man versus Wolverine gets thrown in there. It's not, it's never in like the top five or anything, but you'll see people mention this story as one to, in terms of like a good dark Spider-Man story from this era. Mm -hmm. Like people always recommend, you know, uh, Craven's Last Hunt, but also this, uh, Spider-Man versus Wolverine. So, I don't, yeah, I'd look it up. I'm sure it's on there, buddy. I'm sure it's on you. I'm sure you got your yeah, access there. Yeah, it must Because be. this leads yeah, yeah. to, it, it has a uh you know this is where uh the original um was it the original hobgoblin ned Leeds is he is the, he is the first yes. hobgoblin right so his, his throat gets split in it and it's very uh yeah it's like he's just spider-man's there or peter's there for whatever reason but it, you, like, it it's like unceremonious when he just goes, oh shit ned's throat's been slit <laughs> like he just discovers it. like it's wild yeah. man it's it's a, yeah. it's a it's an interesting story and there's a real uh heavy moment where where Spidey's holding like uh, uh, Wolverine's head uh, with both of his hands, and and Wolvie has his claws right up underneath uh, Spider-Man's mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, chin, mm -hmm. and it's like this thing like they both got each other. He's like, "You could kill me right now and snap my neck, but when you do it, I'm gonna have enough time to 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 clinch up and snick through your skull." Right? I just remember it had that really kind of like it really mm -hmm. it, it showed it, it showed it was still a time when Peter is still kind of coming of age. You know what I mean? So it was a little mm. more raw at the time. Um, but this did remind me of that. Uh, a gritty crime drama set in British Columbia with that, that, guy, that nice little Alpha Flight cameo. Uh, as I said, the highlight of the series for me so far. And, it, and it, it switches. You talked about this. It switches to a primarily Wolverine story by the end. Um, yeah. Like it's almost entirely oh, yeah. Wolverine's point of view. And I mm -hmm. can't decide if this is like awesome, like that's so rad and such a cool thing to do to like walk into a story and then the main character becomes somebody else by the end. Or if it's just like, he's just a, again, that, that kind of goth like amateur hour. He doesn't have, like, he's just trying to, he never, he's not, doesn't know the craft of comics or maybe even the craft of yeah. storytelling. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's it. I think it was more like, fuck it. I just want to do a Wolverine story. And he, yeah, he didn't, have the chops to be able to balance it with Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, by the time Wolverine takes over the, you know, the investigation, right. Spidey's pretty much relegated to even even less of a like less important than yeah. he was in yeah, super tertiary. Less like, important than he was in the Ghost Rider story. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like he's the he's, equivalent he's, he's, of like oh. uh, of uh, like Aunt May's old boyfriend Nathan for a while there. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. He's not even needed for the conclusion. Like Wolverine does everything. It, that's it's kind all of, Wolvie. I know, but I kind of liked it, man. Like I, whether or not. Oh, I liked it as a yeah. Wolverine story. It was good. Yeah. I, like I think he, he of all the characters that 
McFarlane wrote in the 15 issues. I think he captured the essence of you might be right. Yeah, I think you're right. The best. Yeah. And and did the best with his character. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm just my criticism is it's it's it should be Wolverine on the cover I know, of Spider-Man. I know. I know. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. I know. But uh, yeah, whatever. Like uh, for, for I get it. I get it. But in terms of like a of a, a complete little five or a complete little arc, this is the one that I think kind of had the least warts. Let's say that. Um, <clears throat> so then that leads us to his next kind of or like last real arc here, which was just a two uh, issue uh, sub city. Um, and it starts with issue number 13, which is, again, is the cover where he's already homaging himself. And again, this is where I get yeah. to that idea of being arrogant, where I, I guess technically you can say right. it's a year later. It's 12, yeah. you know, issue 13. So it's like, just you know, you can kind of celebrate. It can kind of be like a mm -hmm. way to celebrate. I can get that. But in a way, you can also kind of come off as like, why don't we, uh, you know, as a way of celebrating, uh, why don't we uh, take a look back at some of the old masters? You know what I mean? <laughs> who, have, who have really shown the way, you know, it's just like, it's, you know, it, feel, it feels a little, again, it feels arrogant uh, and a little too soon, but whatever. It's it, was a, it was a great hook. It yeah. got me, like I said earlier, it got me back into it. Once I saw that cover, I was like, oh, I got to buy that. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, the black sure. costume had been retired a few years earlier. Yeah. So that was neat. Yeah. And and I always loved the black costume actually. Like I love the classic costume too, but I've always thought the black costume looked great on Spider-Man. Yep. Uh just as great as as the original. Yep. Um man, it, I remember it was a great design. Great yeah. design. Yeah, when Secret Wars hit and they put out those there were Secret Wars action figures and I had a black costume uh yep. Spider-Man Secret Wars yep. action so figure. So did I. That yeah. I loved, <laughs> yeah. man. I loved that that yeah. uh that co that costume at the time uh it was uh mm -hmm. simple but so effective who is credited with that that's it we should have talked about that is mcfarlane is credited as co-creator of venom but i think there's a little bit of controversy about it do you know anything about that uh okay well we'll go to the we'll do the black costume first and, okay. and what i know about that the idea was a fan set in set in the idea of of the of like a new costume and right. i think it'd be i no, it wasn't um he didn't come up with the idea about the alien side of things because that's how they tied it into secret wars which um yes. was ongoing right yeah but it was a fan who sent in the idea to change spidey's costume and i think he had the design um if i'm not mistaken like interesting designer or at least a rough look and I, like I listened, this was a, came up on one of my comic history podcasts that I listened to not too long ago, that they actually brought the fan in to New York and tried to train him to be a writer, but it just didn't work out. Uh -huh. But anyway, he, he contributed, that's, that's kind of like contributed that idea. Yeah. And, and then the look got passed through a few different artists. But it was on Spider Woman first, right? It was on Spider Woman. No, no. Uh, no, it was on. In, in in the Secret Wars series, it was on, I believe it was on Spider-Woman first. Yes. But but if you remember how they did the story, the first, the, 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 the month that the Black Costume debuted in Amazing Spider-Man was the same month that Secret Wars number one came out. Mm -hmm. But the way the story was set was in the previous issue, 251 of Amazing Spider-Man, it ended with Spider-Man going into the mysterious 
machine in Central Park that sent him right. the, the Secret the, Wars. The Beyond. And then the very that. next month, 252, it He's started with him coming, coming back. back. All right. And they'd already done Secret Wars, but it was a 12 issue miniseries. All right. So you so, so they, we don't know anything we don't know everything that happened in yeah. the twelve issues until later. Yeah, and it wasn't well, until the eighth issue of Secret Wars that he got the alien costume in the story. That's right? cool. Fascinating. But, I yeah, didn't know that that, yeah. that worked like that uh, timeline wise. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, and then, I read, I love that. As I said, I love that symbiote, uh, that whole saga. I had that trade paperback. Um mm -hmm. uh, had like uh, lots of lots of uh, uh Puma. You don't see a lot of him. Yep. Uh, as a as a spidey uh, villain and lots of no uh, he was the the rose. Yeah, that he debuted yeah the rose yeah um that was all ron friends art pretty mm -hmm. much uh jack o'lantern was the writer yeah, yeah. jack o'lantern <laughs> was in it who would who would become the hobgoblin the second hobgoblin mm -hmm. awesome and yeah that was a really cool um time and of course that storyline ended with him giving up the black costume because he realized it was starting to um bond with him Right. And he yeah. couldn't, yep. uh, couldn't remove it. Yeah. And went, so then he went back to the classic fantastic. costume. Yeah. A legend begins anew. I remember the. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, he did. Yeah. But he did go back to the black costume until he created Venom. Like it's important to know for this right. story because it's like a, a big like two page spread when they have this this deep conversation. Uh, so that's why I want to ask. So like uh, Venom. Um, is, he is, as it says here in the, in the wiki page, he's been credited as, as the character's co-creator. This has been a topic of dispute within the comic book industry. What do you know about that? Well, I don't know the whole story. I do know that the character of Venom had been teased like in- Web of Spider-Man. Spider yeah, I saw that. Like, yeah, yeah he and pushed... that was long, long I... before McFarlane was ever involved in spider but have you seen that frame where he's kind of introduced or that that page you don't see any of venom uh, you just see like some hands no. you just see hands that push spider-man onto the onto a, a train track and like and yeah Spidey, but it was and, and spot but spider uh, spider sense that that don't person, act up. yeah didn't didn't set off spidey's spider sense yes which uh, and then that never that really venom would yeah do, of course and it never really got paid off in Web of Spider-Man. This is what Michelinie was writing at Web of Spider-Man, right? Do yes. you know David, David yes. uh, Michelinie's uh, only has written uh, second most, or he had the second longest run on Amazing Spider-Man other than um, Stan Lee, I think, especially at the time. Lee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so he leaves Web of Spider-Man, goes to Amazing Spider-Man. And then I guess, yeah, there's stuff you can look into here, like... A, but I, th I think it's probably similar to any sort of thing when it's a writer yeah. and, and an artist, right? Um, Collaboration. I, yeah, I can see, when you see that first drawing of Spider-Man at the end of, uh, I guess it is issue 299, uh, that first drawing of him when he's like mm -hmm. uh, got a, uh, MJ like kind of cornered, that is like, it's still like that, by comparison is to the way people drew Venom afterwards. It's it's super like tame and not as grotesque oh, as it yeah. would become. Because oh, again, totally. that's still early McFarlane, not 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 you know mm -hmm. going full mm -hmm. masturbatory with his with his mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. but, or, mm -hmm. but also he's not I mean, he's probably not even in control of his craft at that time, or he probably didn't have the freedom to to go as nuts as he would have. Um, but you can mm -hmm. definitely see, like just with the drawing of the mouth alone, that is pure, right. that's Todd McFarlane, right? 
Um, you can mm -hmm. see, like, the idea comes from uh, David Michelini, but there's something there with the the way in which he's drawn that, drawn that I can see whatever the the debate is. I mean, I haven't looked into it, but I can see why. Yeah, I think you kind of gotta you gotta give him something. You know, you gotta give him at least some sort of credit for that because you wouldn't have been able well, to kind of nail that. Uh, right, and he developed the the look and made it the iconic right. look of right. Venom with the yep. tongue yep. eventually. Yep. and yeah, that, that's that's all on McFarland from the visual standpoint. Right, anyway. right. So like, and so that's just something to think about, and like that's to think that that's just like a, a side thing with Todd McFarlane, right? That's like one of the, like somebody, like that could be, that could have been somebody's claim to fame. Like, yeah, I'm co-creator of Venom, you know, that, 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 you know, was there successful enough for them to, I guess they're going to make a sequel, you know? Uh, and, and it's, that's, you know, that's a, a McFarlane legacy is the Venom and the, the carnage mm -hmm. and that kind of mm -hmm. excess of just like, which really kind of, we talked about kind of kill the industry here of just overdoing it with with uh guns and boobs and and uh you know bad guys yeah bad guys have become good guys basically yeah, yeah. um very similar to what wrestling experienced in right. the attitude era right actually. right um yeah but let, let's so let's get into this last uh episode here or this last kind of arc here before the final issue uh, which was Subcity. Um, this way, said that, uh, so it's a Morbius story with underground dwellers who are killing homeless people. <laughs> Again, very Spawn-like. This is the most Spawn-like of all oh, of yeah. the oh. all of the series. Like even like the way he would draw these homeless people. Uh, there's one guy. It looks like he's he's experimenting on how he would do that kind of violator character that John Lake was yeah. played in the in the, the off yeah, movie. Yeah, that like the the Kiefer or Kiefer. Uh, what is it? Kiefer or Kiefer? That yes. character is is basically a prototype of. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's where I said I kind of like the bugle scenes here, um, and I really thought he's he really tries to ape Frank Miller more than in any of the other stuff here, and really just goes for it. Um, tries to do his style, um, and, and but this the style of this story, if you can call it that, it's not much of a story. Again, is it really lends itself to that grotesque style that he would. Uh, just embrace and really which he which again that's a, that was a smart business decision for him to embrace that because not only did it match the spawn story that he but that was just like all of like that 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 fucking action figure empire like there were so many of those just over the top uh just like things that people would spend so much money on right like that the way that mm -hmm. like he not only did the comics go into this like he his style spread into a whole other industry that uh mm -hmm. i guess is Toys, still a big yeah. thing i never really got into it too much mm, uh no, i got not at all I got an, I have an Acura somewhere uh, of a Todd McFarlane Acura figure that uh, uh, an old girlfriend got me that is awesome. Like it was just the design was great and it became, they became known for quality, but it was that just uber attention to detail that we start to see here um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that would really kind of, that he's not, you know, he's, it was the, the right thing to do. Like it wasn't necessarily the right thing for the series, but for what he, he knew what his talent was, right? And he knew where he was, where he was going to keep growing and keep exploring. Um, and even if he was like kind of effing around and trying to ape Frank Miller's style here, um, I think it was, uh, it was the right, it was the right way for him to go here for what, he, where he was going. Um, 
this again another story where not much happens it's too dark it's so it's too dark he tries to go underground and sees these dwellers but, but he's got like the only way i can go back is if i wear the black suit and he has this like like long two-page yeah. spread where it's like oh but but i didn't like it mj every like i guess it's triggering like i, I don't want to belittle the yeah, yeah, yeah. experience but, but whatever like it's way too much of a there's just an absence of conflict there that they really try to force i felt like he really tried to force in mary jane into this storyline every time she's in there like oh, she's mm -hmm. going out and she's having fun why is she going out and having fun because she has a, a chance to do it or you just want to draw it well in the whole run mj is just a total one-dimensional character that her scenes aren't even you could have cut them all and you yeah. wouldn't have missed anything that was yeah. just total amateurish uh, yeah, writing i guess that time. or just shows like, his, you know. his inexperience yeah because you had to have mj because right. at that time especially they were really tight peter and mj this was the peak of them as a married couple right. where they were presumably having sex all the time all the time like yeah a lot really, of references to that <laughs> yeah and so they were really joined at the hip and of course like uh -huh. you, you had to have mj in these stories but She's just totally unnecessary to uh -huh. any of the plots. Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. It's just an excuse for to, to put him in this black suit, which again looks great. It looks fucking awesome, especially when he's and it's a, like it's just it's just he's looking for if nothing else, he's finding excuses to give you his greatest hits, right? And and that's probably was enough yeah. to keep people going. Um, I don't know how much I, the, you know sales dropped. Of course, he's not selling two point five of everyone, but uh, no. I'm sure. He was still doing doing well. Um, he, but no no director or, or tangible conflict in the series in this issue at all, are these two issues. So it's Morbius, and he's got a bunch of not just minions, but they're uh, inbred minions. They've always got to throw in something fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, they've been uh, in the they've been under the underground since 1962. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is, was that supposed to be a like shout out to uh, uh, Spidey's <laughs> origin? Uh, anyway, Spidey. <laughs> So for whatever reason, Spider-Man webs himself up with all these inbred subhumans. Yeah. <laughs> it made no Stupid. sense. <laughs> Finds no. his way to Morbius and they fight. And he tells the story of how he, why he left Doctor Strange. I'm trying to think, I wonder, I didn't look. Did, McFarlane ever did yeah. Doctor Strange? Yeah, did he? No, he didn't. But Morbius yeah. had been a character in Doctor Strange for like 10 months. Yeah previous uh, to this yeah i wanted to see i like i'd like to I'd like that would be a character that i bet you uh mcfarland could draw really well they see him so you, like, mm -hmm. you can fuck around with that cape quite a bit um so spidey mm -hmm. spidey explains his uh the, these like deliverance mutants are bringing down just randoms just not bad people and morbius because morbius is like that tweener right he's that that kind of um oh totally prowler or, or sandman uh or even puma type uh uh, as we'd see, the outlaws. Remember the outlaws for Spider-Man? I really liked uh, Sal, yeah, yeah. Sal Basima. Sal Basima was yeah. is a is a is a perfect example because he was doing spectacular Spider-Man before um, mm -hmm. McFarlane hit. Well, and during and, and during, during when McFarlane hit, and for years, and then years after, after, yes, uh, but but just really just like kind of you can see that's how you can really see uh, McFarlane's influence because. He just changed. Okay, I have to start drawing Spider-Man like Todd McFarlane now, even though yeah. I have been drawing him fine before here. Yeah. Uh, uh, but mm -hmm. and I I like the way it worked for Sal Basima. I like the, the way he, and, he evolved. I like his work. And um, also uh, Alex Saviak with um, right. Web of Spider-Man. Web of Spider-Man. Who I was remember. also really good too. He had that classic Silver Age style that I loved. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, they were really both those, those comics were, they were connected a lot of the time too. Yeah, yeah, I guess sure. maybe they were written by the same writer, uh, but there was the stories overlapped a lot. Sometimes, the yeah, they do it. Web. Yeah, yeah, they did it, like especially that Axe of Vengeance uh, storyline that, that we talked about. But also with like the, the Tombstone character. Right, and right. The, the brothers that were uh, werewolves. Right, uh, right. The Gene Gene DeWolf, were, like that whole angle. Yes, that's right. And I hadn't. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I remember I wasn't really keeping up with one at the time, and they would make references to the to it. So I'm like, shit, I gotta get like. And that was smart. That was good. But I remember uh, before I, I went to Irvin, the the comic guy had the, the two comics. What got me back into comics, and then I was uh, hyped to know that you guys were into it. Was that uh, uh, the Web of Spider-Man storyline with the with the rocket racer uh, and the uh, skinheads? It was a two issue two issue story arc. I should right, go back. You should right. see how that is aged. I wonder that 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 character becomes like this whole mutant called Skinhead. That that Nazi. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was actually as far as horror comics go, that was done way better uh -huh. than McFarlane's horror. Right. Because I though, guess like, that is a core comic. Yeah, yeah, that was truly something horrific. Yes. Um, and I, I remember that mm -hmm. to this day, even yeah. though I haven't read them in years, but that was, that, that definitely struck mm -hmm. chord with me. Mm -hmm. Um, so Morbius just runs away and, and Pete returns to the surface. That's it. It's like, oh shit, I thought I'd figured it out. Okay, bye. And the, and then like, uh, and, the mi <laughs> and the inbred minions, <laughs> and the inbred minions are like, okay, we'll look after ourselves now. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's it. It's so dumb. <laughs> so stupid uh and yeah. but it did feel like he was going for sandman again and this is where we talk about there's just lots of drawings of freaks like he's just like he's just messing around yeah. trying to draw like deformed faces and you can tell there's just one page yeah. where it's just like he is like oh here you can throw this in for like maybe he's already i don't know what the situation was with those with what had happened with image uh where like all these artists decided to get hey, we're out of here are these conversations happening at this time kind of thing because it almost feels like mm -hmm. with, when i got to that page like it felt like he's got one foot out the door already <laughs> you know what i oh, mean oh yeah i think i think he totally did and yeah. was like totally kind of almost phoning it in yeah. and then the next issue he misses and it, and it um, is uh, i don't know who the writer is but it's eric larson does the next issue it's a eric cover larson. with beast and and spidey the the, the excuse mm -hmm. they use in the crawl space in the letters thing is uh todd got a baseball in the face yeah <laughs> uh... yeah baseball and that's on wikipedia yeah too that's so funny. it must be true <laughs> i guess so that leads us to this final issue, uh, which is a, a sideways issue. Uh, I guess you call this landscape. It's a crossover issue with mm -hmm. X-Force. Uh, and it's just one big fight between X-Force, uh, Spidey versus Juggernaut. Uh, this format really highlights the art style and the, the events of this issue, which are you know actually real action, which we never saw for this series. Um, you know, it's again, it's it's empty. There's no like, it doesn't feel like there's stakes. It's just like we like uh, we learned that Juggernaut has magic behind him, um, and he's again. So this is a but this is the it just in terms of the feel of the fight scene and everything that was going. It's the closest to what McFarlane's run on Amazing Spider-Man was like when Michelinie was writing. Just in terms of the fight scenes, it still doesn't really have the the storytelling and conflict that those ones had. But it started to feel like it's it's bright, it's daylight, you know. And, exactly. I was gonna yeah. say we're finally into daylight. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Again. Yeah. God. Um, and it finishes the very last page is a, like a double page spread of the team and and of the the team of X Force who are like I would not have been able to name like I probably could have named four of them, 
uh, and Spidey climbing out of the oh, rubble. That's a lot, actually. <laughs> to continue, to continue uh, which finished in X-Force number four. And was X-Force number four, was that Liefeld's last issue as well? No, no. Okay, because no. he stayed for a little no, while. No, Liefeld longer. kept going for another five or so issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but no, no, McFarlane, yeah, he, he pieced out pretty quick. Yep. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, because he didn't do anything after mm -hmm. Spider-Man number 16 until Spawn number one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I don't know the mm -hmm. story exactly. Yeah, but, yeah I think and I... also X-Force number four is also a sideways. Yeah, same thing. Same gimmick. Same gimmick. Continue the theme. I like yeah. it. I mean, I liked it. I didn't mind the gimmick. I thought it, it, it fit the, like, if you're just going to go like full action, like remember the death of spider or bad death of Superman is all just full pages. Superman. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like why not? Yeah. I, but that was like a, an that event. was a, that was a, but it was, it was a, a, a conscious almost um, sure. parody of image comics, right? We're just showing, well, this is how Superman dies. He was killed by, you know, Interesting. artists and, uh. and cool cool villains and stuff like that right? i have never heard that interpretation that's fascinating yeah. that's hilarious um yeah so it wraps up like i, I didn't read I, I read x force number four i probably own it somewhere um uh i i didn't like the way i don't like the way liefeld drew spidey you didn't know liefeld you know you could, two things you couldn't draw spider-man no. spider-man and feet he couldn't draw <laughs> yeah, yeah. Read, no he was like jack kirby in that regard kirby yeah. couldn't draw a good spider-man either hmm, that's but, right yeah no this last issue was 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 totally it was just an x-force comic yeah. again yeah this is like spider-man's not needed mm -hmm. the juggernaut have you ever read the classic um nothing can stop uh, the juggernaut spider-man 229 yeah yep. yeah 229 and 230 yep. awesome always uh, like again juggernaut like, versus spidey comics yeah when i well, again when you talk about like those when people mention their favorite spider-man stories of all time that's always top five i remember for a long time that was yeah. always that for a while that was considered the greatest spider-man story ever told uh, i think yep. now i think that 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 ditko lee story that the that we've mentioned being referenced in uh the yeah, cover uh, of spider-man number five i think that's more widely yeah. recognized now as the greatest spider-man story ever told yeah well the juggernaut one it was one of the few ones they actually reprinted in a trade right in the 80s right so that made it seem more important but it's still awesome like, i know that one i know was, it's so that's good, a man. great run uh Roger Stern was the writer and John Romita Jr. was yeah. the artist. Yeah. And I was collecting at that time. And that's a really good run. That's the run that preceded yeah. Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Mm -hmm. um, Amazing had a really great, uh, like the 200s mm -hmm. for Amazing are mostly really good uh, mm -hmm. comics with great mm -hmm. writers and artists. Yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, yeah, John Romita Jr. Just like taking over for his dad and really just aping his dad's style at the beginning. But what he yeah, became the, over time, John Romita Jr. might mm -hmm. be maybe, oh gosh, for me, top three all-time favorite comic book artists. Like up there with like, uh, with Bitco and, um, mm -hmm. you know, a more modern, like, you know, I love uh, Allred, Matt Allred, creator of uh, uh, Mad Men. And Mike Allred, uh, yeah. Mike Allred, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like uh, those are... You know, I go back and I like, I look, I mean, let's wrap this all up here. Like, uh, as I said, overall, mm -hmm. only perceptions is something I would read again. Just, and that, I wonder if it, part of that is because of the Canadian connection. But I think oh, on its totally. own, on its own, I think it, it, it exists the best as a, as a story. 
Um, even if it does change from a, like if you gave that to somebody and just say, watch, it starts as a Spider-Man story, it ends up as a, as a Wolverine story. Like that's kind of a cool hook. You know what I mean? I can get with like it. Maybe it is that maybe it was amateur hour and it just kind of ended up being, it ended up being a good hook, but that I would, I would recommend it. I, as I said, I, I took it out for, for uh, Christine to read. I think she'll like it. Um, but well, the whole it's also, thing, um, it's unique as a Spider-Man story because it takes place in a small town instead right, of right. New York. Right. Even though, like, a, a few notes I made was like, what, what is he webbing exactly? And they, because there's no tall buildings in, in Hope or Chilliwack. Even though McFarlane, at times he draws, like, New York-esque skylines. Yes. I was like, no, that's, that's, not, that's not Chilliwack in 2020, <laughs> let alone 1990. <laughs> and, and it's, a, Booming it's, it's in the valley, the Fraser... In the Fraser Valley, so you know it's it, there's a ton of wide open yeah. space. Yeah, trees. There's lots of trees in Hope. Lots of trees in Hope. <laughs> on on the yeah on, on the mountains. On I, the know, side, I know. But in the valley, there's you know it's a good there's nowhere point. to spin your webs and it's swing. A good point. But um, yeah. So, um, but you know, no, that was a fun story. Yeah. For for yeah for the Canadians and. Mm -hmm. specifically uh british Columbians mm -hmm. like ourselves and i think it does kind of it does like i think he was aiming for twin peaks with that with torment uh because like or at least lynchian by saying sometimes things don't make sense and you're just like fuck you man you just spent five issues taking me through this that's why i had a bit more of an issue with that with this one i think he does kind of capture <laughs> still that kind of pacific northwest and it, it is kind of a weird uh, murder mystery because it involves a Wendigo. So I think he kind of like it even has like a bit of like I don't think X Files is big yet, but it kind of touches on uh, what uh, Twin Peaks, what he was kind of going for here a bit. We needed a, a dream sequence with Peter seeing a midget talking yes, backwards, totally, totally, like a, a log that's on fire. And then, and then when, when, when instead of Peter waking up, we wake up with Wolverine and then it switches to a Wolverine story. That's the one, then it would, then it would be a clear and conscious decision and it would all, right. it would all be this tight little uh, package. Um, but that's the one thing I would really recommend from this, aside from the art, as we, as we said, it was really, really great as we know. Mm -hmm. um, um, there are some things I don't, I, I, he has a problem with viscosity. I hate the way he drew uh, ketchup. He would draw ketchup like it's like sloshing around like um like water. Yeah. Uh for right. like that, that weird blood, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that, that was kind of dunking weird. donuts into ketchup. Ketchup. Yeah. That was a nice, that was a weird kind of see that feels Twin Peaksian. You know what I mean? But with a Canadian yeah. twist. Like that one, I think that one kind of felt that felt like it came from somewhere personal, as opposed to whatever the personal uh uh things he has with pedophilia which we know he has um and not in a bad way he's very anti i'm not i don't want anyone to think i'm coming out here saying todd mcfarland is pro pedophilia because he's not um but this one came from a real place i think um in, in that story with the uh, yeah uh, attachment to canada and bc and, so, I, and that's where he, he lived in washington state I that's right at the time. yeah i saw that too yeah, yeah big attachment to pacific northwest so Overall, the whole thing, moody, slow, uh, dark for darkness's sake, <laughs> and forced uh, at times. Uh, as you said, I've written down here, a dry, really a dry run for Spawn, especially as it went along further, which, while never was my favorite, um, it suited his sensibilities much more and ended up being the right mm -hmm. decision. Uh, a guy who, as I said, was arrogant, but really knew how to capitalize on his own talent and hype uh anything else you'd like to add to uh the the, the spider-man run 
on uh, or, or Todd McFarlane run on this this uh, this title, Spider Man. Yeah, well, I after I was done reading them, I wanted to look at a few like critical reviews of 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 the run right. just to compare notes. And yeah, I found some actually some really interesting uh, reviews that are, mm -hmm. are worth reading. And the one review I read, he compared these comics and, and basically Todd McFarlane comics or the cool artist comics to it's the equivalent of junk food, right? Yes. It's like you love eating a chocolate bar. You love having a bag of chips, but you're not going to have that for uh -huh. a great dinner uh -huh. or anything, or it's not, it's nothing that has any substance <clears throat> to it. Right. It's great in the moment. It's easily disposable. Uh -huh. It's, it's something that you like uh -huh. and you even love, but it's not the same mm -hmm. as like a great comic book with real substance to it mm -hmm. uh, with, from an experienced writer that, that really knows how to use themes and motifs and, and, and tropes. everything. Yep. And yep. Tropes, yeah, and all that and ties it all together at the end. Like, you know, whereas in these, I mean, like I said, and we've talked about it. this was his first attempt at writing. You know, I can't imagine if I was, you know, to, to write a comic book, what I would have put out, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. Um, it would have been just a bunch of nonsense, probably with a bunch of big ideas mm -hmm. like this. Like he's he's all about the big themes, right? You know, um, the and, and like in the in torment too. Like one of the big themes we didn't really talk about was how New York was decaying and dying and it yes. was this dark city right. right and so that was another thing that the the kidnapping the the, the pedophilia mm -hmm. the the environmental concerns that's very much like an alan moore uh theme for his work especially with swamp thing right and he was going for all these things and then he had the horror you know an obvious love for horror yeah and that's cool because that's like you said he was suited for that mm -hmm. and it was interesting to see spider-man in a horror uh setting because he, he that's not you don't it's like putting spider-man in outer space or something it is not right. his his normal environment right yeah so that was interesting in, in the hands of a better writer spider-man as a horror comic probably could have been really good and yep. very interesting mm -hmm. here it was just a bunch of blood and and you know big moments with killer serial killers and stuff like that it's just it just it, it doesn't tie together in a satisfactory way um it yeah. all looks looks great and cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and all that but it, it's the work of a, a beginner writer who wanted to write the you know the great american novel the first <laughs> time out yes <laughs> instead of working his way up and to be fair i read another something else about mcfarland earlier today where when he said that he wanted to be a writer to the the bosses at marvel he assumed they were going to give him you know like low selling titles to practice on yes. and stuff you know and, and so he, he he didn't really want to go right into you know, a major comic book. Mm -hmm. He did want to have some practice. <laughs> so interesting. I mean, and like I said earlier, like compared to a lot of the the comics from the time, there's you know some really poorly written comic books in the, in the early nineties, oh, yes. mid nineties. Yeah. Like the whole decade, yeah, um, is has got a lot of crap. So this yep. this was was better than a lot of stuff, but yeah. 
it, it, it just doesn't, it's just, it is what it is. It's, it's right. a, a, a beginner writer overshooting his, his abilities <laughs> yeah. as a writer. And it, it, but at that time, it was you were buying the comics because they looked exactly. cool, and, and it wasn't give a it, fuck about the writing. It, 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 exactly, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that he was overshooting because it wasn't a flop, and and it allowed him to go off. No. It, it gave him it gave him that fuck you money that he had, and he clearly was able to <laughs> like uh, yeah use it and then go on to to image with everybody else. So um you know what are we gonna say yeah you man you you you, you could have done a lot better <laughs> you know like if it's <laughs> like it's just it really is a square like as much as influential as influential as he is and maybe god maybe the second most influential co- spider-man artist ever maybe second or yeah. third because it's either cause I, it's I him, say, it's him, say him ditko easy, yeah. him ditko and ramita mm-hmm. senior right are probably the three most mm-hmm. influential um and yeah. even though he is among those giants um he uh he never like it, it doesn't it is kind of a square uh, circle can't fit in where a square should be right mm-hmm. <laughs> which leads us like we'll put a bow on that unless you have anything else you'd like to add uh no i i think i mean this has been great Trav. yeah i mean i could talk forever about um old comics i know and i know comics i know i wanted that. to i wanted to say really quickly yeah. like before this was uh probably a you know a couple was that when did we go to that comic convention dude was that february of this year it was a big uh i want to say it was march 1st yeah, it, it was the last been, time i was yes. in vancouver right and i've often thought about it lately like was, after that the yeah. world went all right fucking it was one of the last things we got and to we went do. to this Comic convention with thousands of people. I know. <laughs> and and as you know, Nerdy comic, comic, comic book guys. readers are known for their hygiene, so I think we will we'll be okay. Um, we dodged and, a major bullet. <laughs> so, I, I just wanted to say quickly, like that that I'm dude. That was that reminded me so much of what it was like to hang out at the comic shop with you. And you know, I was going. Mm-hmm. I would go off and and look for. Uh, stuff on my own but I wanted to just keep going back and, and looking with you because you would just pick up I love the way you can just pick up a random uh, uh, title and you can you'll have an explanation about it man I love that about you um, and that's why I was really excited to talk about comics with you and uh, thank you um, but so let's before we before we do the the, the show's gimmick because I know you got that with you you told me you did uh, let's uh, let's mm-hmm. let's do some quick plugs um, uh, what do you what do you got here on Pwam that you want to tell us about, my friend? Let's see. Well, first off, uh, International House of Combat with myself and Steve Willie. We're going through matches from all over the world. The uh, the only rule is yeah, nothing from the states. Although you know, just the other day I was thinking, well, Puerto Rico is technically a, an American. <laughs> territory yeah. but uh, from a canadian perspective it's international mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um sure. and then yeah, so right. we count right. canada as international yeah. on the show. and i get and and uh, you know you're trying to highlight uh aspects of wrestling that don't get the highlight that they normally do exactly yeah unique uh interpretations of wrestling so yeah we've gone to all kinds of different countries and uh we do that most weeks but um, that, that's been fun. And then, of course, there's Worldcast yeah. that I've been doing with Johnny and Pete for almost three years. And Johnny mentioned this on The Last Gideon Guys, you know, how we've got into 
we're finally into a Von Eric having died. Yeah. And, you know, we've done this for almost three years and not have, we haven't had to talk about that. And my goal with Worldcast when we started was like, I don't want this to just be a, you know, a Von Eric tragedy right. podcast. I, right. I want to, and, and we're, it was easy to avoid that because the first few years, nobody died. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. but now David's, David Von Eric is dead. So the, the tone has changed. Yeah. It's um, so, but yeah, we're, we're, we're still doing that. Um, I don't know if it's that big of a secret, but we're going to keep it going for another few months and we're going to put a bow on it with the Parade of Champions cool. show, the David Von Eric Memorial yeah. Parade of Champions, which was in May, 1984. Well, and I think that's it. That's a good time to end it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I yeah. agree. I, I mean, like, I, like, I, I know it's your baby. I mean, but I hope that the, the three of you find something else. I mean, I don't know. Like, oh, I know yeah. you're all. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. As long as like, as like, just hearing the three of you guys uh, talk has always been, you know, when it was the four of you guys, you know how much I love that too. Um, but yeah. you know, as long as, yeah. I, as long as you guys have an ongoing project, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, totally. And even this week, we have a bonus show that'll be, well, by the time this drops, it'll have already dropped, I believe. And it's Johnny's 50th birthday <laughs> uh, extravaganza, where <laughs> we look at <laughs> the career of the junkyard dog, which awesome. suddenly now that was a, a, a very apropos choice, I think. Wow. Yeah, uh, considering the, the way the world is going. No, no shit, no shit. In America. Yeah. So it, that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, Johnny's 50th plus plus the JYD tribute. So yeah, yeah, we're doing that. That's cool. gonna be awesome. Cool. Um, I, any, you know, do you have another like series you want to oh, talk about? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost more yours than mine at this point. <laughs> uh, Mystery Titans Theater. Yeah. That's, um, we have a, a new one coming out this, Are we Saturday. this Saturday. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we, we, we move on. The New yeah. York. Yeah. Yeah. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. You guys check that out. That's on YouTube. That's not a podcast. That's uh that we've yeah. we, we uh me and Johnny and and Kelly watch old uh wrestling cards. We've gone through we're doing them in trilogies now. We just went through some old random cards from Boston. Uh the Boston Gardens now are moving on to New York. Uh I'm excited. We're gonna start with the, the infamous David or Dr. D uh MSG yes. that show, uh where he slaps John Stossel. Yeah. What okay, that's really exciting. Yes, it's that's that show. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, as well as all the other great shows on Plum. But that leads us to Kelly as a guest on YMT, yours, mine, and the truth. Can you, before you say goodbye to us, can you hit us with your top five extreme songs of all time? Yes. Yes, of course I can. So, I mean, I only know extreme basically based on their, their singles mm -hmm. and, and songs that were on the radio and videos that were on much music. I've, I have, I have never listened to a full extreme album or at least, well, I probably did, I guess, um, back in the early nineties, hanging around you yeah. just, you know, in the background. Yeah. I might osmosis, if and, nothing else. Osmosis and, and listening to all your, your shows about extreme, I, you know, that was bringing back a lot of memories of songs that I hadn't heard mm -hmm. since 1993, 94, whatever, 95. Right. Um, and I forgot that there were some singles that I actually, I really liked mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, right. Some that I knew that I liked, but mm -hmm. then 
some that I, I totally had forgotten about. All so right. here's my top five. It, I think it's all, they were all released as singles. No problem. Um, so number five is Get the Funk Out. All right. Which I believe that was your number one, yep, correct? Yep, yep, yep. And Zubin's. Yeah. So, and Zubin's. Okay, yeah. so it's, 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 I mean, that's not, points so far, that's not my, that's not my number one. That is the canonical, the greatest extreme song ever written. Like that, right, that was a right. five, okay. dude, I spent like, you know, 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. That shit. Okay. <laughs> Get good, yeah. but a good, so but I a fine choice. Doesn't need any, a fine choice. Doesn't need any points. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's already number one. Yeah. Number five for me. Number four for me was a song that I hadn't thought about since 1995. And that's hip today mm -hmm. and i forgot that was the song that you know it was on the radio yeah there must have been a much music video yeah um i'm assuming because yeah. as soon as i heard it on your show then i was immediately oh, I was like, oh geez i forgot mm -hmm. about that song i forgot mm -hmm. extreme put that song out mm -hmm. and it's a good it's a really good single yeah yeah it still feels and fresh mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's my number four number three rest in peace yeah. that was the the lead single off Extreme Three. That's right. Correct. That's or it was the, the yep. one that went number one yep. on the the modern rock chart. That's correct. And also, that was another one when I heard it on your show. It was like, oh yeah, another song I totally forgotten. Mm -hmm. So that was that. That's my number three. And that's a really cool song. And then my top two, you know, being a extreme novice, it's it's probably pretty obvious what my the two biggest two hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the two biggest hits, but my number two is More Than Words. Okay. And, and you know, that's a, that's a great song. I, mm -hmm. I really liked it at the time. And working in a grocery store for eight years, like, God knows I heard it <laughs> more than most songs in, uh, yeah. that I've ever heard in my life. Sure. <laughs> so sure. there's that too. That's funny. But I mean, of all the songs they played in the grocery store, that was definitely one when it played. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. it's not too bad, even though I've heard it five million times. Mm -hmm. um, and then number one is Wholehearted. All right. Which I really liked at the time. And yeah, that was uh, like when I first thought about having to do this, uh, that was my number one immediately. I knew that was going to be number one because that's the, when I think of extreme and songs I like of extreme, that's the one I always cool. think of. Awesome. I appreciate it, man. A, a fine list, a fine list indeed. Uh, well, thanks again for doing this, man. As I said, I, 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 I mean, we'll do it again. I mean, like I said, what? Oh, of course. Uh, uh, so I think get in your head, the idea of uh, that kind of bounce back uh, that I'm, that I'm getting from some of the former guests who want to come and do something from yeah. their youth as well, even though we are pretty close, obviously. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I, do, I suggest we keep going on the comic book yeah, train for because sure. I've really in the lot, like basically since the beginning of start of this year, I've really amped up my love okay. for comics again. Great. And yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you keep me, keep, uh, think of something that, that, uh, maybe I haven't, I, I haven't read or maybe something that, that I, that I, that you can remember we did, we did read together and, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I definitely want to do comics with you again, man. Um, uh, but you're the best dude. Thank you, uh, again for letting me do this, dude. I really appreciate <laughs> that because oh, it wasn't, it wasn't mostly, pleasure. it wasn't, it was only, it was only for not too long ago. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, you let us do Gideon guys. And then I had this idea and, and I, I appreciate your trust and, um, 
thanks again, bud. And we will, I will talk to you on Saturday. You say happy birthday to Johnny for me on Thursday. I'm excited to hear what he thinks about what I, what I, what I wrote for him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, we'll talk to you soon, dude. Thanks man. So yeah, another another fun exploration. It was it was interesting going back. It really did, you know. It, it, it's weird that I'm not. I haven't used the word nostalgia a lot, even though this. I guess you can say this is a nostalgia based podcast because I'm looking back at things. But I'm not. I'm not looking back entirely with that kind of. Oh, those were the days. I feel like I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, how messed up was that? And how messed up was I? I don't think it's, I don't think it's entirely nostalgia. At least I hope it's not. I hope we're doing something a little more than that. But this did, you know, I feel like I felt like when I was done reading, I'm like, why didn't I, I, I should have been reading these as I was listening to extreme a while back. Cause that is, that really was the the perfect combination. And that was me, man. So, okay. So like I said, I got those two walls. Right. I, I told you I had those two walls. I also had posters on the wall. I, I mean, I can. But I, this is what I'm saying. This 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 put me back there. And I think listening to the extreme uh, would have put me back in there as well. So I got my I got my one wall of extreme clippings and cutouts of the band and reviews and yada, yada, yada. I got a wall of uh, Spider-Man art, mostly um, uh, Todd McFarland. I have posters of uh, I had a poster of Cam Neely. I had a poster of Bo Jackson two of my favorite athletes, but then I had another wall next to the bed of Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, Al McPherson. Entire wall dedicated to uh, one of my, uh, yeah, yeah, first big crushes, Al McPherson. Goodness gracious. Uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> I said, uh, just a classy lady. Uh, and she's, uh, you know, uh, happy to, to see that she's still going strong. Um, so there you go. You learned a little bit about me today. Uh, I hope that's good. Uh, I want to make sure I remind all of you to tune in to some of my other uh, podcasts and or projects, including Gideon Guys here on the Plum Network that I do with my buddy Johnny. 
we like to talk about uh, this show called DC's Legends of Tomorrow, one that I've never watched before, but Johnny's an old fan, so we're kind of going through it one by one, and he's kind of you know gauging my reaction while we kind of pick it apart, and that's been a lot of fun, and it, and it, and we it's been going uh, great, and I think you guys should check it out because I think it's getting better and better. Also, uh, this Saturday, uh, you will. Uh, uh, be hearing this hopefully Friday. Uh, Friday evening is when uh, this episode's drop, but in this following Saturday, I'm going to be recording another episode of Mystery Titans Theater uh, with, uh, again, the aforementioned uh, Johnny Hedgepath and uh, our, our guest here today, Kelly Nelson. So it's, it all kind of comes full circle. Uh, as I've said before, these are my like favorite things that I that I really look forward to. We're doing them on a bi-weekly basis now, and uh, I say it again i really hope that you, you get a, just an ounce of the fun and the, the enjoyment that i get out of doing these and sitting with them and uh it'll be up on youtube i'll provide a link for it you can follow me on twitter at wctss uh thanks again for listening next week we're going to go into the world of film uh and i'm really excited to be joined by local comedian actor awesome funny guy writer uh adam pateman uh, who uh, wants to join me to talk about uh, two films, two Canadian films, uh, Canadian content, and we're going to compare them. We want to figure out what, what was the better of the two. We want to, we're we're going to get some work done. So we're going to be looking at two of our all-time favorites, or like one that's really closer to me and one that's closer to, uh, to Adam, I guess you'll find out. It's going to be Kids in the Hall Brain Candy versus The Wrong Guy. Uh, and I will tell you this, you guys, uh, tune in. And you know what you can do before you tune in? You can watch them. Because I figured out both of these movies are available on YouTube for free. Wild. Uh, they're both hilarious. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear what you think. It'd be great to hear before we start this what you think is the funnier film. Uh, that's going to be great. Adam is one of the funniest guys I know. And you will see. So I'm really looking forward to that. So we will see you next week on Yours, Mine, and the Truth. Stay safe. Bye.